Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quick announcement up top, Sea Jurassic Right listeners. Here are the winners for the Walmart contest. Thank you again, Universal and Walmart, for providing these Walmart-exclusive Battle Damage Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom figures. And thank you, everyone, for sharing what dinosaurs you would want to see in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Now, here are the winners from third to first. Samantha Bonilla on Twitter at Samajama20. Um, she wanted to see Baloo. Um, second place uh on twitter they are um kai walker four um they're excited to see the indoraptor and the mosasaur in imax 3d um and then first place goes to uh, on twitter or on uh, instagram underscore dot sean five nine seven dot underscore so sean five nine seven uh said i'm so excited to see my longtime friend rexy our beloved t-rex um thank you again for those third first second place winners i'll be messaging you today to get your info to send you uh your dinosaurs so thank you again everyone so much for entering and sharing on with the show We just got out of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, we saw it. What's the date today, Stephen? Uh, it's June 5th, the day before I leave to London to go see Fallen Kingdom <laughs> early. 
And if so we got to see it even earlier. Yeah. Than the people in London, but not before the people in what Spain? No, no, no. People saw it in Spain already, and people saw it in London over the weekend. So some London oh. people saw it early. We're not that special. Then. Yeah. No. Um, I guess what I'm again. I'm feeling like I'm not articulating because I e- haven't eaten. I've only slept yeah, a couple yeah, hours. Yeah, but yeah. like, it, it was made for. It was like made in the sense that it wanted to. It like, it showed us like why we love dinosaurs, and it finally mm-hmm. like. I felt like it translated the reasons why I like dinosaurs on screen for other mm-hmm. people to understand. Yeah. Just like why they mean so much to me. Yeah. Um, if you're an emotional person, you will cry. And there are a lot of parallels visually and plot wise to the other Jurassic Park movies, but it doesn't feel like they're just recycling plot. It no. feels more of um, like a reverential thing. And then I think the part that like drove me or like made me like want to just stand up and cheer is just so many new things mm-hmm. that I just never expected. Yeah, for sure. And I just think Jay Bayona mm. came like full fucking force. Sorry, am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Sorry. Um, came full force like in terms of crafting it. It's it's beautiful. And there are par- there are shots where I'm like, ah, oh, that's cool. You know? Yeah. No, I mean it just it was so iconic. Yeah. And, and I think like very gifable. Yeah. Uh, oh, lots yeah. of gifts gonna come out of this movie. And I feel like dinosaurs are kind of in all the other movies, like there's always a human villain, but dinosaurs kind of feel like, oh, these are scary creatures, we're afraid of them, like the T Rex is kind of the main villain who's like, you know, gonna come fuck shit up. Yeah. But in this one, like the dinosaurs are sweet. And also I feel like the movie was even more like, I mean, I would almost say that it was operatic at points. Oh yeah. You know, just like the vibe was like, I know people were ju- like saying like throwing around words like gothic fairy tale or thing, but I mean, it <laughs> kind of, there is those elements, those yeah, like fairy tale kind of elements that don't feel unrealistic or not it's, grounded. It's more like science fiction and like fairy tales meet. Yeah. <sighs> wow. That was insane. Yeah, I, I need to process. It's it's a good movie. Welcome back to See Jurassic Right, a podcast about Jurassic Park and you. I'm your host, Stephen Ray Morris, and I can't believe we finally arrived. We're going to talk about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the fifth entry in the Jurassic Park franchise. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom opened June 22nd, 2018. June 8th in the UK. Directed by Juan Antonio Bayona, it was an emblem slash legendary entertainment film released by Universal with a screenplay written by Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow. It was executive produced by Steven Spielberg and Colin Trevorrow, produced by Frank Marshall of Patrick Crawley and Belen Atensa. The film was shot by Oscar Fuera, edited by Bernat Villaplana, with sound by Al Nelson, Gwendolyn Yates-Whittle, and Pete Horner. It features a score by Michael Giacchino, creature effects by Neil Scanlon, and visual effects by Industrial Light and Magic.
and it starred Bryce Dallas Howard, Chris Pratt, Justice Smith, Daniela Pineda, Rafe Spall, James Cromwell, Toby Jones, Ted Levine, Isabella Sermon, Geraldine Chaplin, and Peter Jason, with B.D. Wong returning as Dr. Henry Wu, and Jeff motherfucking Goldblum returning as Dr. Ian Malcolm. It would go on to gross $148 million opening weekend in the U.S. and has already crossed the $1 billion mark in the box office globally. When I started this podcast in May of 2017, Fallen Kingdom seemed so far away before the trailers, the merchandise, Sorna, etc. But it's gone by in a blink of an eye as we've blazed through My Jurassic Origins, analyzing hype and nostalgia, dinosaurs, the work of Michael Crichton, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, holidays and toys, creativity and fandom, The Ride, The Scores, Congo, Jurassic World, anticipation and expectations, plus we can't forget the fan fiction. In the course of the first season, I've reconnected with friends and met many new ones, heard from you, yes you, and recently celebrated a Jurassic June beyond my wildest dreams. So while this podcast is far from done, we've still got a whole episode on what we hope for the future of this franchise next month, and with season two of this podcast already in the works, I feel like not only is this episode an exploration of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but a celebration of sharing our obsessions with the people we love. I mean... That's the reason why I do this podcast, but, you know, you get it. It's safe to say that I'm a workaholic. Uh, It's one of the many things Claire Deering and I have in common, as played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, But at some point this year, when we learned that Fallen Kingdom would be coming out two weeks before, uh, before the American release date, I thought maybe this is a chance for me to (laughs) make an excuse and go on a vacation, essentially, you know, and... And several people have been, you know, you don't need to make excuses to go on a vacation or whatever. But this really was the first quote unquote vacation slash. Again, I I made a lot of reasons to justify I'm going to go see Fallen Kingdom. I'm going to podcast. I'm going to do all that stuff. So that was enough for me to uh, make the trip. And so uh, also because I lived and went to school in London, it really felt like a no brainer to go back and again, witness this this movie that I've been basically talking about and anticipating um, in such a big way for um, over a year or at least a year since doing *See Jurassic Rights*. So, you know, I with all those things in hand, I was like, "All right, let's let's make the trip." But yes, the only things that I knew for certain were that I was gonna see it in London. And on the 21st, the sort of typical Thursday before a movie comes out, I knew I wanted to see it again with all my friends. So those are the only two screenings that I had planned at the beginning of June, you know, Jurassic June. But little did I know that I would end up experiencing the film in such in in a much bigger way and in such a more fun and exciting and really my whole month became... Uh, taken over by dinosaurs so uh, I mean really it it was I still can't believe it happened so again 
not everything goes according to plan. So uh, <laughs> I'm getting ready to leave for this trip. Already the episode 13 was running late. And so my whole big plan of like surprising people, hey, I'm going to London to see Fallen Kingdom, all that stuff uh, just sort of kind of got compacted by other work and other things. Uh, I felt very lucky I got to see the opening of Fallen Kingdom twice at JP25 uh, Universal Studios. So that was so I was already like, oh my gosh, I'm almost there. I'm really excited. And it was a few days to leave before it was a few days before I was leaving for my trip to London when a friend of mine, Devin, reached out to me and essentially invited me or or was was trying to help me get into a to a preview screening a press preview screening in los angeles and of course at the time i was like well i'm you know i'm going to london but i didn't want to be like well i'm going to london so uh you know i'll wait till then i was somebody's offering me a chance to see this movie early even if it is literally the day before i leave for london so uh it was very exciting but again it was one of those things where i wasn't even sure i was going to be able to go and so uh, I asked my friend Michelle Oddish, comedian performer, we're game, you know, are you, do you want to drop everything and go at like 10 in the morning or whatever on a Tuesday? And so even showing up, it was so funny as we go to the, the screening in Culver City and there's just a line of people wearing Jurassic Park shirts and it's like, I think that's where the screening is. So, um, you know, we get in line, but again, it was one of those things where because I don't know. It's just, there's a part of me that's just like, I don't believe it until it's happening kind of thing where I'm just like, um, is this really going to happen? Like, are they going to stop us in line? Are they going to be like, no, you don't belong here, whatever, you know, all this imposter syndrome kind of shit. And so, uh, but we make it through people dressed up in those like inflatable dinosaur costumes and we have to put our phones away and everything. And, uh, but we get in. And so that was, bananas again sitting there i mean there was i've never anticipated a movie more i think even jurassic world not to the same level this was different it was exciting and i was already pumped having seen the beginning of the movie uh and then the movie played and you know and you hear in my you, you hear in the opening of the uh in the opening of the episode that conversation that michelle and i recorded pretty much immediately after we saw the movie um you can really hear the kind of, uh, I don't know, I've just never left a movie just being so visibly shaken and so excited. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, liking a franchise, liking movies and in, in being invested in movies is that even if you don't like something a lot, you always find ways to like something. And so, but I feel like in this case, this movie, I really unabashedly, unapologetically like it and love it. And... I didn't need to see it eight times, spoilers, uh, you know, in theaters already uh, by the time this episode comes out in order to feel that way. I felt that way from day one. And so it just made me and I don't go to the movies that much anymore. So it made it even more special.
So, you know, see the movie, go do an episode of My Favorite Murderer, or we did a mini-sode, I think, and then I get ready, and I'm somebody who usually I like to fly early, um, and since the flight to London is, you know, anywhere between like 9 and 12 hours, uh, I basically um, stayed up all night, went to LAX, got on a flight, uh, watched Jurassic World on the flight, uh, and then... um, and then, yeah, the day in London was was this funny. I landed, and it's one of those situations where, of course, I want to go back to my hotel. I want to nap because I'm going to go see the movie later that evening when I landed uh, with my friend Katie Snooks, a very amazing beauty blogger and just talented vlogger all around and stuff. And so we had gotten tickets to go see it at the BFI at the IMAX. And so we were going to go see it and meet up later that afternoon. And also I had seen that Rexy uh, as part of a promotional thing. They were putting statues of Rexy, the T-Rex, all around, not just London, but um, Los Angeles. And I there might be other places, but those were definitely the two biggest places where um, Rexy was represented. And she was at King's Cross. So I wanted to go see that and then go see the movie, you know, relax, blah, blah, blah. But instead... Uh, when I first get into London, I of course go straight to my hotel and I'm like, they'll let me in early, early check-in, you know, you know, whatever. It's just like, I'm just going to try and go as soon as I can so I can nap and relax, get some work done and then go. Um, but that wasn't the case. Um, this hotel was very strict, uh, you know, you check in when we say you check in policy. So, you know, and I respect that, but I was exhausted because, you know, another big part of traveling for me is that um, up in order to travel and go places, usually the week before is very compacted. So I definitely had only been I only had like a handful of hours of sleep up to that point. You know, I slept on the plane a little bit, but not that much. And so uh, that day. um, So then I went to like a Starbucks or something and just chilled out, got some work done again. and then finally go back to the hotel like around noon because I'm just sort of like, well, maybe if somebody will take pity on me, uh, something like that, then maybe, you know, maybe they'll they'll yeah, maybe they'll take a chance on me or something. But it was just interesting because so many other people were at the hotel also waiting to check in. And I just wonder if maybe they should have made this check in time a little bit earlier because it seemed like I wasn't the only one who wanted to check in. But at that point, I've been going on so little sleep that I just couldn't do anything anymore. At that point, it was just very much just kind of sitting there sleeping, sitting up or attempting to sleep, sitting up and all that stuff. So um, uh, but finally, around like one thirty, I go I go to use the restroom. I have to ask for the key. And the woman looks at me and she's um, I think she could just probably see how tired I am. And she's like, are you in a single or a double? And I was like a single. And she's like, you can check in now. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> but of course, then I fall asleep and I wake up late and I'm running to meet Katie at King's Cross. And then we go to the BFI and stuff. And it was so great to get a picture um, with Rexy. And then we grab a pint and uh, we go see Fallen Kingdom. It was her first time seeing it. It was my second time. And again, it really, it was such an impressive experience seeing it in IMAX. Um, And I've seen, I saw Deathly Hallows part one there um, when I lived in London last time. And I just remember Katie and I walking along the Thames after doing our own little like pub crawl kind of thing, just talking about the movie being very struck. I think for us, that mood kind of made us want to talk a lot about, you know, the Claire and Owen relationship in this movie. And there was so much of this in this movie, their chemistry is so great 
because there's a sense that, you know, the the reason why they didn't break up at the, you know, in between Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom isn't because they didn't care for each other. It's because their paths took, their life paths took different directions. And so it makes sense to me that there would be much more of a bond right away. There would be much more of this connection because of their mutual uh, ownership in this adventure and stuff. And so I feel like that's a lot of what we talked about that night in terms of what we liked about the movie and stuff. And, um, yeah. And so that was fell asleep, <laughs> fell asleep for a second on the train on the way home, which is a little scary, but, um, and then the next day I just kind of wandered around. I mean, that was a big part of my trip. That's, I realized that's kind of my way of relaxing because, you know, working from home and being kind of trapped in my own, space all the time just walking around a city walking around London was something that was really therapeutic in many ways I went to the British Museum I went to the Grant Museum of Zoology and then I met up with my friend Lauren Ho who shared her thoughts on Fallen Kingdom Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom I loved it I think I loved it more than Jurassic World I think first films of franchise reboots have this crazy pressure to be something for every fan and there's so much build up to the premiere and ultimately, the opinions that come out about it are very passionate. I mean, we all love this franchise. I think because Fallen Kingdom also had J.A. Biona at the helm, Fallen Kingdom got to explore other avenues of plot and style that is ultimately the only way to bring a beloved franchise into the future and open it up to new generations. I think the best sequels use the past to inform but not imitate, and then elevates the core themes and the stories. I was definitely excited about the gothic horror parable vibes that the Fallen Kingdom trailers hinted at, like monsters in your closet, haunting you while you sleep type things, and I was not disappointed. It's still a disaster film, the kind which I live for, like bring on the destruction and the rookie mistakes and the underdog heroes. Um, and she's from the same part of... Uh... Uh, Orange County that I'm from so it was fun to bond over that and we grabbed a pint we went to a Samuel Smith pub we went to this oh well I mean but we originally went to this um, this uh, cat themed speakeasy where you speak a password and you enter a fridge um, upstairs in this breakfast club themed uh, restaurant so that was really fun and just very uh, just a very like loose walk around the city kind of day which is what I really needed and then the next day was a big Jurassic Day because I met up with Tom Fishenden. Uh, you've heard him, um, you know, before on this podcast, and you've heard, um, you know, him on the Jurassic Park podcast and and on Twitter with all of his Lego um, like dioramas and and action figure sort of portraiture and stuff like that. That's really beautiful. Um, so we met up, and then we also met up with Clayton Fioriti, who is the other uh, American coming out to the UK to see Fallen Kingdom, and so we all met up together to go watch Fallen Kingdom again. And it's funny because I originally didn't even think that I would see it again while I was there, but that seems pretty obvious now in retrospect. And it was just funny because it ended up being all three of us. It was all three of our, um, it was all three of our, uh, third time seeing the movie. So that kind of worked out. And so, uh, we go to this like matinee at like noon or 11 or something relatively really early. And it just was funny to me, this image of the three of us. Uh, and again, if you don't know, Clayton Fioriti does these amazing YouTube videos, these very thorough, well-researched YouTube videos about the lore of Jurassic. And it's, they're really like a, a really great source for information and just kind of he's very good at um, 
spilling everything out in the details. And so really, he really allows you to make up your own mind, but he really kind of puts everything on the page. It's really great. And so it just was a very funny image of all of us at this matinee screening uh, where it's like a handful of couples and some, you know, other random people. And then there's just these three dudes uh, just all like leaning forward as if we're all taking notes because we've all watched the movie at this point. So now we're just watching this movie for, hey, did this happen? What was this observation? To, you know, I think before we got out of the movie, there's the scene at the very end where they show all the different DNA vials and it's like, all right, Tom, you take this half of the screen. You know, Clayton, you take this half. I'll watch the middle. Um, there's a moment in the gyrosphere escape um, where it lands in the water uh, and I noticed that Rexy uh, was swimming away when Owen was swimming up to try and rescue Claire and Franklin. And so, uh, yeah, it was this being, like, oh, yeah, oh, look at that. You know, it's like we were all just kind of pointing out these little observations and things to us. So I thought it was very fun. And it just was a very it was a very nerdy uh, viewing of the film, you know, especially for all of us who all had varied opinions. It's that thing of, you know, being invested in trying to articulate your thoughts on the movie, you know? And so in, in, you know, by the time that it's screening number three, it's almost like you want to build up the details. So then when you make these arguments, when you're talking about it on your podcast, when you're talking about it on the YouTube video, when you're talking about it, uh, when you're annoying people at the bar, you know, like I definitely was for the next, you know, for the rest of this month or whatever, like you really want to, you really or you know, on Twitter or whatever, you really wanted to articulate your thoughts clearly. And so I felt like screening number three was very much, um, that for me, you know, and so it was very nice because um, we ended up going to the Natural History Museum afterwards, and I had brought with me the Mattel uh, blind bag Baryonyx, um, Belinda the Baryonyx, and so it was amazing to see um, because that's where one of the, that's where the first Baryonyx was discovered was in England, so it felt appropriate to do these kind of like photo. Um, you know, here's, uh, you know, here's, uh, uh, Belinda, uh, you know, eating the London bridge and here's her with her ancestor, you know, the original skeleton and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it was a very crowded day at the Naturalist Museum of London and, you know, Dippy the Diplodocus is no longer there. She's on tour right now, but, um, you know, it was still so much fun to get to walk around with a bunch of dino nerds and also Lego blue was there too. So we got a little photo op too. Um, and as we bid Clayton farewell, I asked him his thoughts, um, about the film. And so we kind of did a little man on the street. So I got to ask him and he shared his thoughts. Well, I came out to England. Uh, I got to see the movie opening night with, uh, everyone. I got to see it three times over here, which is really cool. Uh, all with Jurassic Park guys. Third time with you and Tom, uh, second time with Alistair and Marco. First time with Oscar, Jack and Sam. So I just, I flew all the way to London and decided to watch it with everybody. That that's how I celebrated it. What made you want to fly to cuz you're the I think you're the only other person besides me who I thought more people I thought like on the day of like everyone was going to be like, "Yeah, we're all flying to London." So what made you want to make that leap to actually go out to London to see it? It's hard to say. Maybe maybe just because it was new, I hadn't done it before, but also I'll tell you what with J.A. Bayona being the director, having obviously, a, this movie's probably got the most different feel, more European feel. Maybe it's best to see it in, in England, you know, and it opened in Spain, so why not see the movie in a European location? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of how I feel. 
I love it. Um, so you've seen it three times now. If you can just sum up how you're feeling. I like it a lot. Uh, it's still currently my second favorite. Don't think anything can top the original Jurassic Park. A lot of people know that I'm a huge Lost World guy. And to me, this this had fewer problems than the Lost World. So, like I, I really think that... Uh, I really think that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, to me, it was everything I wanted it to be. It was darker, it was uh, entertaining, a lot of dinosaurs, uh, got to see them do a lot of different things. I loved it. Um, are you looking forward to seeing it again? Almost definitely, yeah. I'll see this movie at least three times in America, if not more, in theaters, that is. Uh, yeah, buy it first day, it comes out on Blu-ray. This movie, to me, has probably the most rewatchability than most of the others and uh i will definitely see this movie again yeah 100 percent. awesome thanks clayton thanks dude appreciate it and it was very cool to you know to hear his perspective especially as somebody who's a fan of his videos and just be able to talk and chat with him in person about it was really fun um and then Tom and I continued to explore the city. We found a pub. And because I drink a lot, I was like, all right, we're done with this pub. Let's go to another. But then we stumbled upon Buckingham Palace, which was just such a random, such a, I don't know. It just was very silly to me. It's like I'm all the way over here in London and just, you know, like just living it up or, you know, I don't know. It was just so funny to just stumble across Buckingham Palace. And so we decided to podcast. I just love that we're podcasting under a tree while it's raining just outside Buckingham Palace. Yeah, <laughs> it is um, a nice location. I'm from the area. I live an hour outside London and I have no idea which park we're sitting in, which is always good. But it's just really nice. It's kind of like it almost gives me that kind of eco dome vibe do you know the things where you get like all the twigs and they grow around it and make a dome yes it i do kind of vibe going for it it's really cool and this is how we unwind from seeing fallen kingdom for the third time yeah. each it's just uh, traumatic um but how did you actually celebrate yeah again to make it clear we are literally looking across at buckingham palace right now <laughs> yeah we're gonna prove to people that we're here um it's just so surreal right now but um, how did you actually celebrate the release of Fallen Kingdom? Okay, so I actually got to go with a couple of my friends, Raptor Chaser 17 and his friend called Joey. So I got to hang out with those guys, but really kind of all of Jurassic June has been a celebration for me. So obviously meeting up with yourself, Stephen, meeting up with Clayton earlier, meeting up with Joey, uh, Sonny, as I already mentioned, getting to go to the Frontier Studios for Jurassic World Evolution, just everything to do with like this franchise and everything I've got to do in the past month really has been a massive celebration and it's made this release month so special because I feel like I've done so much, I've interacted with so many different people and it's just kept the hype for that film going for so long and it's just honestly been such an awesome roller coaster ride this month. Yeah, and, and with the extended release schedule, in, in, in a way it's been sort of a positive thing because it instead of everything happening on one weekend and then we kind of are done with it in a way it's forced us to sort of it's forced us to really this is this really is a jurassic june in that sense i agree with that completely like i think like, like you say the staggered release has led to people like yourself coming over to the uk and getting to hang out with me so like just the fact that that staggered release alone has encouraged interactions like that is fascinating and then to kind of 
have the fact that I'm sitting here talking about this film with you and then I get to talk to my friends from America and find out their reactions as well is so cool and I think in some ways it's a shame that we all don't get to share it at the same time but in other ways it's fantastic because it means it's going to keep this conversation going all month which is really exciting and it's really exciting that we're having a conversation now but progressively more and more voices are going to be joining this conversation and I think that's just so exciting to be like one of the first people talking about it and knowing that there's so much more to come no that's really well said yeah it really is you know you're it's a birthday month not a birthday you know yeah i agree um but um coming out of the third viewing um i guess like if you could sum up how you're feeling now after a third viewing how are you feeling so I absolutely love Fallen Kingdom after my third viewing. Um, I was explaining to Stephen, and also, well, I say Stephen, I was explaining to you, obviously, I'm talking to you, but um, I was explaining earlier that I didn't enjoy Fallen Kingdom on my first viewing. I thought it was very un-Jurassic, but actually after seeing it a second time, and especially now a third time, it's clear to me that this is the next step that the franchise needed to take, and it's clear that... While it has taken a lot of risks, I think they were necessary. And actually, they do tug on threads that have really been embedded in this franchise since that first film. So it's really cool going forward seeing, I guess, as my tweet said, finally consequences for all these actions. Um, He asked me a few questions for the Jurassic Park podcast, and I asked him a few questions. So it was great to, again, because we had been chatting about it up until my trip. So it was nice to really just sit and chat with him in this park right next to Buckingham Palace and just kind of chat with him for a bit about the movie. So that was really cool. And then the next day, I mean, my trip in London was was really fun, but very short. And so the next day was really nice. Uh, to catch up with my mentor when I was attending London Film School before I dropped out, uh, my friend uh, Christine Lala. And so it was so great to catch up with her because it had been, gosh, almost seven years. And so we just walked around the city and we went to the VNA and we just caught up and talked about film and the industry and everything and, and the work that she's been doing as a television director and also editor and, you know, graphic novel, novelist and everything. And um, I contributed some music to the the new boy, her film that she made a few years ago. Um, so it was really nice to catch up with her because she's definitely one of the people I became the closest with, you know, in my short six months in London when I lived there um, in 2010, 2011. So, uh, yeah, and that was um, pretty much my day. I ended up meeting with my friend Sophie, who's a wonderful poet and writer. And um, we ended up going to the Troubadour, which was a... A bar where the Rolling Stones first played, apparently. Um, and that was pretty much my trip. The next day, I had to go return a MacBook Pro charger that I acquired just for the weekend. Uh, thank you, Apple, a uh, 15-day or 14-day open box return policy. And then, yeah, and then I flew home, uh, edited, uh, you know, an episode of Ologies on the flight, and uh, as well as rewatched. Jurassic Park to celebrate Jurassic Park's 25th anniversary. And so I did a fun Raptor reactions about that and talking about the film and those observations after so, you know, again, this, the original film just has, you know, impacted my life so much. And doing this podcast has, has made it even more meaningful. And in many ways, I'm probably more obsessed with this movie, you know, with the original movie than I've ever been. And so it was nice in the middle of all this Fallen Kingdom stuff to get to to step back and look at the original film and kind of celebrate it um, in kind of my own way. You know, I'd never watched I've never watched a movie on an airplane uh, on my phone with, you know, I've, I've never watched. Oh, I should say I've never watched Jurassic Park with headphones on. So, mm. you know, fun facts there.
and then uh, so then actually get a little bit of a week break um, you know reactions and things from the film are starting to roll in and stuff like that and again it really was me kind of you know because I've never seen a movie this many times in this short amount of time span so I think I was grateful for this week for that week of a break um, but the premiere but that's the thing too it's like there was so much going on for this movie Fallen Kingdom just um oodles of uh of stuff happening for this film so much more than Jurassic World because I think Jurassic World was kind of an underdog whereas Fallen Kingdom is a surefire hit and so they really went all out with with these fan events and with with you know Jeff Goldblum getting his star on the Walk of Fame and so that week that middle week in between London and then the week when it actually came out in the U.S. in some ways was more of a break for me more of a calm before the storm making sure my other work was done um you know, and that Tuesday was the premiere. So the Tuesday after I got back was the premiere of Fallen Kingdom and it did not get invited, but um, it looked amazing. And uh, no, I mean, I could never have expected that, you know, to go or anything like that. But of course, there was just that small part in the back of my mind that's like, maybe somebody will will be like, you know, nudge and, and wink and hey, you know, room for one more, you know, whatever. Um, but you know what? My friend Sarah Beth and I, uh, my friend Sarah Beth, who works for Warner Brothers, we went to the Yard House and had appetizers and happy hours. So I think that was also a fun way to celebrate the premiere of Fallen Kingdom. Cut to, smash cut to, um, Sunday, my friend Chris Bermonte, Pasquez Chris Bermonte, he's a very talented performer, um, an actor, and just all around, you know, just creative wizard. Um, he does these uh, amazing videos where they're not outright. Um, they're the, essentially like Weird Al's original parodies where it's not parodying a specific song, but um, it captures the spirit of it. Don't be that wrong. You gotta say the dinosaur. Oh, you get it? No. You gotta say the dinosaur. Oh, Don't run and hide. Raise your voice. Protect your life. You gotta save the dinosaurs tonight. Before that, um, with Anim Fantastic, they did straight up parodies, and that was when I did my uh, Whole New World Jurassic World parody. Uh, but now he does a bunch of original um, original parody videos uh, that are super funny. Hufflepuff Pass, uh, uh, and like he did a recent Comic Con video and stuff. So he wanted to do a Save the Dinos video, very much in the vein of We Are the World, We Are the Children. And he invited me out to be part of that, to be an extra in that, because I really like being a part of those videos. I don't like necessarily being the center of attention, but I love being, I love, I love seeing that kind of magic. And, and especially because Chris was in a uh, musical improv troupe called Robot Teammate and the Accidental Party. I mean, he is just so good at it. And so it was really fun to watch the progress of the song, um, you know, not only did Chris Bramante work on it, but Matt Acevedo, um, Abby Trot, um, Branson Nijame, um, and it was shot and edited by Lucas Eubank, and the music was mixed by Chris Sosa. And so they really put together this sort of in the studio background kind of everyone singing, you know, there's just all these elements of us like leaning into the microphone. And then I do like this little kind of spoken word, save the dinosaurs bit at the end. And yeah, it was just a silly little afternoon that was going to kick off a full week of Jurassic every day, um, which was something I, again, was unprepared for, but nevertheless was very grateful 
to go through this. And so uh, the next day, it's screening number four. So uh, speaking of Anim Fantastic, Matt Scavoni is a veteran in the animation industry. He's worked on everything from Prince of Egypt to Wreck-It Ralph. I met him through Chris Bramante. Um, he invited me out to go see Fallen Kingdom again at this uh, sort of universal employee, uh, DreamWorks employee um, screening because, you know, a few years ago, uh, Universal acquired DreamWorks. So Universal really went all out. They rented out City Walk and just kind of gave it the works. And I also connected with a few other people, um, you know, uh, you know, just at the top of this episode, we announced the, the Walmart, uh, contest winners. And so I was lucky to meet up with Janela, who is the universal Walmart rep, um, who also was going to see the movie. Then, um, we went to Margaritaville briefly before the screening and also I met up with, um, and you'll hear from her later as well. Uh, Courtney Medencia, who works for Disney and so basically it became this like little unexpected party uh, at the beginning uh, at this Universal DreamWorks employee screening on Monday. And it was just fun to even see all of them walk around and be like, hey, you. Oh, yeah, we work together on this thing. And we work together in this movie and all that stuff. And I was kind of just this like, you know, why are you here? And it's like, oh, I just like the movie, you know. It was very much, I kind of felt a little bit like a fish out of water, but again, at the same time, we were all there to watch Fallen Kingdom, and Matt later called in to share his thoughts on the evening. I'm calling from the Lockwood Estate. We are requesting your help to help us show large amounts of feces from the cages, uh, from vents. Uh, just kidding, this is Matt. <laughs> um, hey, Steve, how's it going? Uh, I, I think most people, we have our, so I just saw uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, I've seen it three times. And we all have our thoughts and questions about it, you know, like Sorna, question mark. Um, but I think I'm going to talk about my experience. And I think Jurassic World has been an experience. Jurassic June has been amazing. Uh, in fact, it started in May with the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park at the Universal Studios Hollywood lot. And I got to uh, chill there with you, Steve, and Chris Bermonti, and Rich Castalis. We had a blast, and we got to ride on the Jurassic Park ride at night, uh, where the flume was full of water, and all the water effects were turned on, and we were uh, screaming and giggling and having a great time. Uh, was, uh, also, Laura, um, Laura Dern also made an appearance that night, and we were just geeking out, and I saw my daughter, so different generations of Jurassic Park fans were there, and it was just so great. And then... Uh, Universal Studios employees, we got to see uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom a week early before it came out. Um, I brought you as my guest, which was fantastic. Thank you for coming. And it was your fourth time seeing it, my first time, and it was an absolute blast. And then the next day um, on the back lot, we got to uh, go to a panel um, of filmmakers, and the VP of visual effects was there, and then she brought her sizzle reel from ILM and uh, showed all of their VFX breakdowns. Uh, of all of their shots in Jurassic World. And, for example, like they have this pancake truck with the sphere, the gyrosphere, attached to the back uh, with the actors inside of it and Chris um, Pratt running alongside, which was uh, pretty awesome to see that. Um, and then here's, here's, crazy, here's a crazy fact. They used kitty litter. So for the scenes where the lava was getting close to them, they lit kitty litter on fire to get the red glow onto the actors and then later on replaced it with CG lava. So, uh, we, and then they had the lighters match the red glow that was on the actors um, that was coming off of the kitty litter that they lit on fire. How crazy is that? Um, they also mentioned that due to uh, crazy, like, so I guess where they shot the Lockwood uh, Estate Mansion at first was this museum, and it was costing so much money 
to to uh, set up and tear down every day because they wouldn't let them leave all the equipment set up. But they decided to build their own library. So it was kind of like a happy accident. So they had to build the library in the soundstage. But by doing that, they were kind of they were able to choreograph the third act better and then kind of incorporate that whole you know fun Indoraptor scene at the end um, into the design of the set, which is really cool. And yeah, it was it was it was fun to see it again. Again, this had been the longest since I saw those first three screenings within a few days of each other. This was like a new refresh screening. And it's interesting because I felt like the as far as audience goes, this was a pretty tame audience. It might have just been because we were all drinking and eating and stuff like that. But it was just nice to see the movie kind of in a very calm environment. It felt like I could just kind of kind of sit there and study it and just think how I feel about it, you know, and just be like, wow, this Macy thing, just like let it really sink in the reveal that she's a clone. And it's like, wow, this is so part of the Michael Crichton universe. This is so appropriate. Um, you know, really the implications of of the original Jurassic Park kind of extended out further, really kind of, um, you know, uh, still being kind of on the fence about the music, but kind of, you know, understanding that a little bit more, just really loving the dinosaurs as dinosaurs, really loving what Fallen Kingdom does. And it makes these dinosaurs individuals, you know, instead of just these glorious metaphors of nature. And so um, it was very cool to watch that again and get a photo in front of Rexy that instead of being at the Grove, uh, like it was before I left for London. Now it was at Universal City Walk. So the next day, I was about to do something very scary, which was GM a <laughs> GM a um, a Twitch stream. Uh, you see, I don't even know the right words. Basically, I was going to GM a Jurassic Park role playing game. This is my not only this is one of my first times. Uh, playing a role-playing game, I actually played on The Gauntlet, which was Chris Bermonte's um, RPG show that I did like a, a while back, like a year ago or something like that. Um, but this was going to be, I was going to be running, you know, this is this is like running a Dungeons and Dragons game. You know, this is my first time doing it. I was so scared. I didn't really want to do it at first, but I think Chris really convinced me. And because it was going to be with, um, so they, he does a podcast with Kelly Nugent, who does Teen Creeps and Public Domain Radio. Mia Rosella, she's a talented writer and artist, and Omar Najam, filmmaker and past guest on the Jurassic Park episode. And both of them are two of my closest friends from college. Because it was the four of them, and they do a podcast together called Thank You for Questing, where they play RPG, you know, they do play RPGs, you know, they do RPG stuff all the time together. And so that really made me feel comforted to know that even though I've never done this before, they are all experts. You know, this is, this wasn't their first walk in the park. Um, and so that made me excited because it was just to get a chance to play with my friends and be silly and all that stuff. So, um, it also helped to have, you know, some sparkling wine a little bit out of a can, but, um, and that was, you know, like the save the dinos video that was that hyper RPG. And that's just such a rad space there. I recommend everyone check them out. Um, and yeah, it was such a weird adventure. It really was my setup was instead of doing like, you know, Jurassic Park, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, recreating the original movie. I love the idea of, you know, this is post Jurassic World and maybe, you know, 
Claire's second in command or something is like, you know what, let's try and make this work one more time. So they invite all these like shysty investors and these weird characters because, you know, this this is a park that's half off now because of the, you know, because of the attack in Jurassic World and, and the Indominus Rex's rampage. So it's, you know, people stepping over bodies. Don't mind that. You know, it's like things are still good, you know, even though it's like all chaotic. And so that created a really fun uh fun ground to play in and so um yeah that was super exciting again pretty much my third rpg experience because really i mean really or my second rpg experience because really the only other times i've played rpgs are uh and really more of a choose your adventure was the lost world rpg um when i was a kid and i pretty much only played it by myself probably um and then this these star wars ones so but again, it was such a fun night. It's such a scary night, but it ended up being like really exciting and really fun. And I hope the audience enjoyed it. But I was, I was having a blast by the end. Um, so I can't thank them enough for for inviting me into their world to create a new one. And I don't know. It was just it was really fun. It's so funny. So a friend of mine from college who was like in one of my student films back in the day, you know, we had followed each other on, you know, on social media, obviously for all these years and stuff, but I really hadn't seen her since college, but she reached out to me and my friend Stephanie, she actually works for Frank Marshall. Um, so I was of course like, you know, fan, fan, fangirling and all that stuff like that. And so she invited me to the Frank Marshall screening, which was on that Wednesday um, before Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom came out. Um, which was very sweet of her to invite me to, to, to want me to nerd out amongst all the people who, again, you know, this is their, this is their day to day. So they're not phased by it and stuff. But, um, Stephanie is such a rad person. It's so funny. I was telling her cause it had been, yeah, like almost, you know, almost a decade since I'd seen her, you know, how much she reminds me of my sister just in terms of her voice and everything like that. It was so funny. Um, but she's super rad, you know, living that, living that West side life and everything, um, and I was just so glad to go over. We went to the WGA and actually it was such a fun screening because, you know, in the sense of it, it, in some ways it was funny that it was different than the employee screening at the DreamWorks Universal. one. this one was almost it felt like everyone was so attentive, you know, and and I don't know if it was just this theater at the WGA, but the music just really came alive to me at this screening and just the moment when the Indoraptor crawls on the roof and this very like Frankenstein howl at the moon, you know, werewolf moment just just really came alive and i think that at that screening screening number five if you're keeping score i should have a ding every time the screenings are mentioned um this was the screening where i where that where the michael giacchino score really came alive to me so um i was very grateful to hang out with stephanie and catch up with her um for a little bit and have some uh tropical mules which is essentially just a (laughs) moscow mule but with a pineapple um and rum i think um but yeah that was such a fun that was such a fun night and again just a chance to kind of catch up and you know of course when you know the light you know when the credits roll and everyone's cheering for frank marshall it just felt very exciting to see um you know to be to get a little window again into this other world that my you know that's my friend's day-to-day working for frank marshall so it was very exciting you know frank marshall producer of jurassic world Vaughn kingdom director of congo um so it was really fun to get a peek into that. Um, and yeah, catch up with my friend Stephanie. And we're hopefully going to catch up more soon.
and now finally is opening night the you know if you go back and listen to the to the first episode when i describe the opening night of jurassic world this is the night that i had planned this was the night that i was excited for we're all going to meet at city walk we're all going to go to margaritaville i'm going to go early for happy hour and for the free parking because i have a um a Universal Studios pass now, um, which was a very sweet birthday gift from Karen in Georgia. So um, I'm really taking advantage of it. You know, I mean, the fact is the first night I used it, they caught the Golden State Killer. So I feel like uh, uh, I feel like the universe is encouraging me to continue going to Margaritaville. So um, this was so much fun. Again, this is the stuff I really look forward to. And I will say off the bat, this screening, screening number six, opening night at City Walk in IMAX in 3D, it really felt like I was watching the movie again for the first time because there were so many people that hadn't seen it. Um, you know, just to rattle off the guest list, you know, um, Michelle Oddish came, um, you know, and it was her first time seeing it since when we saw the preview screening two weeks. So, you know, she was very open about being like, ah, like I've been thinking about it for these two weeks, you know, and, and stuff like that. And I saw it with Annalise Nelson, you know, host of popular music the podcast with me um we did the percast theme song my roommate past guest she was on this episode talking about music did the amazing um reinterpretation of the michael giacchino score for that episode um dax schaefer past guest who was also on the music episode and he did the reinterpretation of the john williams lost world themes um annie wilkes who's the past guest uh on the lost world episode and and you know other other episodes and stuff and annie you know who's an editor and amazing i've known for over 10 years it was so great to to see it with her because she's you know you know one of my og jurassic park friends and who we originally bonded over that and still do um other than Cody and Cambria. Um, Chris Bramante was there, of course. Can't forget Chris. Um, you know, Courtney uh, Medencia was also there. Um, her friend Carmen. Um, and then it was uh, very sweet. We had uh, Faith Elizabeth, who, um, who's been a listener on the, of the pod for a while. She came down from Santa Cruz um, to come see it with us, which I felt very touch that she wanted to come see it with our crew that was really exciting and, and meant a lot to me um matt scavoni was there and again you know so i mean he had a whole week of jurassic adventures too because universal really uh and dreamworks really treated their employees to kind of a whole week of like talks and props and everything so if you follow him on instagram you'll see all of that um our buddy rich castales um who has an amazing um steven spielberg story that i need to get him to come on and talk about one day um he was there and and you were there and you were there um uh past guest heather mason my friend heather mason was there uh with our buddy roberto um and also another listener my my new friend maddie uh, maddie k who you've heard on this podcast before she came all the way from halifax to come out do a little vacation in la kind of thing she showed me what the world cup was because i was clueless um her and her friend ellen came to watch the film um and then my friend Krista, who uh, uh, my new friend Krista, who I met through the Jurassic Outpost boys, she worked on the film in the um, behind the scenes uh, capacity. And so it was exciting to see uh, somebody who worked on the film actually want to go see the film in a normal theaters with everyone else. And so, um, you know, I looked to her for that. And so it was it was cool to see her and Alex Evans from Jurassic Outpost popped in, came to uh, came to L.A., uh, to go see the movie again. So it was nice to run into him for a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a hundred percent certain this was everybody who was at that screening. If I forgot you, please forgive me. I'm not great in, uh, 
you know, for, for organizing all this stuff, I, I feel like I'm not great in group situations. I feel like I'm a party host where I'm like, my eyes are dart darting around and being like, is everyone happy? Is everyone having a good time? Is everyone enjoying the movie? You know, like I really just wanted to kind of foster that kind of environment. So sometimes I feel like when I'm talking to one person, especially like we were all just kind of gathered outside out of, out of the theater afterwards, I'm just like, uh, uh, is everyone having a good time? Is everyone, you know, doing, you know, having fun, everyone, you know, that kind of thing. So, but again, it was such a fun way to see the movie again. And it really felt like watching the movie again for the first time. I was really enthralled by, by, you know, the opening sequence. And I, you know, cried when the Brachiosaurus met, um, met her demise and, you know, shocked by the Macy reveal and loved Stiggy and, you know, shed a tear for blue and blue shed a tear. Like, you know, the baby, baby blue and the baby Raptor squad, like all that stuff. I really felt all of it a hundred percent being in this giant IMAX theater being with everybody. I think it just made it all the more meaningful. Um, yeah, all the more meaningful to me. It was really, you know, it was really, fucking cool you know and i managed to talk to a handful of my friends and, and you know everyone who came to the screenings um not everybody because again it's one of those things where i was like i'm gonna record everybody's thoughts after the movie you know and afterwards i just you know i just was more caught up in the moment and just wanted to you know actually talk to everybody uh as opposed to you know try and you know sit there with a microphone and you know clinically interview everybody about their thoughts but over the course of the weeks leading up to this episode, I managed to get a few people's opinions, including um, Courtney's and Faith's and Maddie's and Dax's and Chris. So, you know, you hear some of that right now. Hey, Stephen, this is Courtney. Um, I thought I would send over my Fallen Kingdom reactions. Um, so I should start by saying I saw Fallen Kingdom twice. So I saw it first as uh, an industry screening uh, on the Monday before it came out to the mass general audience. Um that was great. You know, I obviously personally loved it. I was with a lot of very kind of snobby people. Um, a lot of people who were there fine, kind of for the bougie free food and, um, you know, a, a free movie and maybe weren't the biggest diehard fans. Um, so it was a pretty quiet crowd. But then seeing it opening night, IMAX, Dolby 5.1 with people who gave a standing ovation to the trailer of the Meg, I basically knew I was in the right audience. And it proved to be just one of the funnest nights ever and one of my favorite in recent memory cinematic experiences. Um, that was so great. I loved seeing it twice. I loved, you know, reading all the little details and everything. But I mean, overall, I thought the movie was really fun. Um, I had a really great time. Like, I didn't expect this to be, you know, the next Citizen Kane or the next big thinker. Um, and so for people kind of picking at the edges and making sure the fabric frays, like, I just want to roll my eyes at those people because it was a dinosaur movie and I had a great time. Um, I thought this one was actually really gothic. The whole time when I was watching it, you know, as soon as we got really into the manor with Maisie and everybody... I just got so many Del Toro vibes. It felt like Crimson Peak and Pan's Labyrinth had like a gross dinosaur baby. And I was all about it. Um, I thought the movie was very cool because personally, I could have seen an entire movie where it's just Claire and Owen trying to evacuate dinosaurs off an island, as well as I could have seen just an entirely isolated movie about, you know, cl clone dinosaurs growing in the basement of this girl's entire mansion and her kind of figuring that out and so for the movies to collide it was very cool but they did kind of feel like two separate beating hearts um 
I really like that. I thought the movie was really dark thematically, but mainly actually color-wise. Like, I thought it was a... If you look at the color script of the movie, I thought it was very... Mostly nighttime, basically, and really dark, really moody. Um, I think that added a lot to the tone of the entire movie and kind of the big wig kind of ideas of it. And that was really fun. Um, I will say how dare they do that Brachiosaurus part. I know everybody's heart got ripped out on that part and it just felt like I was watching all of the Land Before Times. I think there's like 14 of those movies just all at once and stomping on my heart until I, you know, watched that poor little shadow just fade out in that smoke. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought that was such a crazy ending to such a ridiculous, ridiculous uh, action sequence. Um, But I think for me, the biggest takeaway, definitely from my first viewing, is just the anxiety the last 10 minutes induced in me. Um, To have such a large-scale idea of basically dinosaurs are loose but in our world really kind of made me go into like a mini panic attack, like a fictional panic attack, where... I think for why people kind of count Jurassic Park sometimes as a horror movie is because it has such strong tropes of, you know, the isolated incident where just like in The Shining, you go to a hotel and alien, you go into this one spaceship and Jurassic Park, you go onto this island. Everything is super isolated and super concentrated, which is what makes, you know, all the fun in between the really good, juicy horror bits. And I think what Jurassic, or sorry, Falling Kingdom did really well was kind of tap into that. And overall, I thought it was super enjoyable. I think I gave it to my friends a solid like 7.5 or an 8. Um, I definitely want to see it again. I definitely want to rifle through all the bonus features and, you know, look at all the secrets and all the Easter eggs that I totally missed the first time. Um, yeah, I think it just felt different because it didn't feel so blockbustery. It felt very moody and it felt super... I don't know, just super, so yeah, super gothic, I think is the the right word for it. Just really, really moody and really interesting. Um, so I'm excited to see where it goes. I, at the end of the day, it's a movie about dinosaurs and I am 10 out of 10 happy about that. Um, so yeah, I think those are my thoughts and I'll let you know if I think of anything else, but you know me, I could ramble on forever. <laughs> Alrighty, bye. Hello, Steven. This is Chris calling to talk to you about... Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, as it were, in this situation. Just saw the film for the second time with Matt Scavone, enjoyed ourselves thoroughly, and I have a little bit of a clearer idea on how I feel about the film now, which is one that I love it, and I was always going to love it, because it's Jurassic, and I love that. So I'm down already. Definitely it is a Jurassic World film. It is not a Jurassic Park film. And I think that this movie establishes what that means. What that means is three sheets to the wind, sci-fi through the roof. There is a monster super raptor. And it is there's cloned humans. And the dinosaurs are in Vegas. Like, it's gone to a level that I don't think Crichton would have written. Though I do hope that Jurassic World 3, Jurassic World 3 with the Slash, is just set in a already pretty decimated planet Earth where the dinosaurs have taken Vegas. And it's a Vegas movie. Um, and you gotta get blue, of course. So, uh, this trilogy is clearly leading with the dinosaurs. 
not necessarily the human characters, because the human characters, uh, to speak frankly, if I may speak frankly to the court, if Mr. Ian Malcolm could please uh, come to the stage for a brief cameo that will take up almost zero time of this movie, and it's insane that they used him that much in the marketing. Anyway, um, so <laughs> the leads, uh, Owen, I don't know what you guys feel about Owen. I think Owen doesn't do enough. Uh, I like Chris Pratt. I love him in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I really enjoyed him on Parks and Rec. I think for the most part, that's a really charming actor. Why in my favorite franchise is he a character that I'm like, I don't know who you are. Ultimately, Maisie's storyline is great. That is what I think is the most interesting. The Lockwood stuff is, in my view, a little too... Oh, yeah, like, and uh, I was friends with him before he opened the park. It's like, were you Lockwood, or are we just trying to get ourselves another John Hammond? Because we don't have him anymore, except in portrait form. Um, so... <laughs> Anyway, I think the movie's great. Definitely, these are not Crichton. This is not Crichton's universe. This is now Colin Trevorrow with Little Spielberg splash. Uh, and that's what we're doing. And so in that case, when Jurassic World 3 comes out, what I would hope they would do is trust Blue, trust Claire, let Maisie do her thing, give Owen something. J.A. Bayona did a great job. His voice really comes through. I think it's an excellent installment. Hope everybody has a good July 6th park. Bye. You know what my immediate response was after seeing it? Was I, I was kind of taken aback by how visually interesting the film was. Because I think that it's definitely the most interesting looking of any of the sequels so far and even just the first one of the opening shots or, or is it the first shot with the submarine is that the very first that that image of the sub as a silhouette while the doors are opening was just very evocative looking and there were more than a few times where i i kind of was just sort of lost in in the style and the visuals of it, especially where the Indoraptor is crawling down at the end and the camera kind of does this rotation as it's following it, going to the going to the bedroom. And that was a very nice change of pace because I don't think I've had that reaction since the first one. Um, uh, you might even argue that some things in this movie look better. The CG certainly was felt leagues beyond the first Jurassic World movie um, it was very consistently good and I was never taken out of it and I feel like do you know which scenes were animatronics versus I mean I would say any scene where characters are touching dinosaurs so like the T-Rex head was a big animatronic yeah. well and it, yeah and the thing that actually and it sort of almost makes sense now is that this whole movie was designed around to have sequences where people interacted with dinosaurs physically. If you think about all the yeah. big set pieces, especially in the any set pieces in the middle of the movie, all revolve around people touching dinosaurs. Um, That's so, true. So it, it in a way, it um, I think that just helps overall to the create consistency because you're forced to have animals that people are touching and then you're forced to have the CG follow 
the animatronic lead as opposed to the other way around. No, that's that's a good way of putting it. I mean, the dinosaurs all felt very present. And as you were saying, uh, as we talked about before, like this film is so feels so much more about the dinosaurs themselves in a weird way where each each one feels very individual and and having having really solid effects helped sell that like i really do believe blue is a character by the end of that movie i feel like they they did a really great job with that i mean this is gonna everybody's gonna say this but like maybe it was a note too much but I feel like it was necessary the whole scene where they're on the docks leaving and just the the one long neck walking no, you, where are you going you're gonna wait come back <laughs> I want to ADR that whole scene with no, just, like silly oh, voices so sad. hey what's you what's you gonna you're turning around, right? There's still lots of us over here. <laughs> it's just like, but that I don't know why there always needs to be a, a scene of um, maybe all all three Jurassic Worlds will have like a scene where a long neck gets <laughs> gets horribly killed. Yeah. Um, but I I really enjoyed that like the way that they handled dinosaurs in this movie felt fresh. And I, I, I also like the Indoraptor. I didn't really like the Irex that much in in the first one. So the, in this one, it felt more... It felt cooler. Like, as far as a hybrid dinosaur goes, that, that stood out to me a little more. And I liked the Indoraptor's design. Like, if I were a little kid, I'd want a toy of that particular dinosaur, if that makes sense. Well, now you can. Well, now you can buy <laughs> Hi, Steven. It's Maddie. Um, just leaving a voice note to share my Jurassic Week experience with the other listeners. Um, I'll try to keep it relatively brief, but we'll see. <laughs> so for those who don't know, I live in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, and was thinking of visiting L.A. with a friend next year in 2019. But a month or two ago, you posted in the group that the Jurassic Park ride at Universal was going to be closed down. Uh, I think it's September for a revamp. And I'm the queen of buying plane tickets on a whim, and I'm lucky enough to be in a place right now where I can do that. So I thought, well, no time like the present. Um, then you mentioned you'd be hosting an SJR event after the Fallen Kingdom premiere. So I thought it only makes sense to coordinate an, an emergency trip to Universal with those things. So I arrived on the afternoon of June 19th, I think. And the first thing I did was meet up with my friend Ellen, and we went on your recommendation to see the Jurassic Peak Burlesque Show, which both of us loved. Um, I had mentioned to you that I've seen a lot of burlesque in my lifetime, and this was for sure one of my favorites, and I don't even think that's my Jurassic Park bias talking. Um, it was cute, it was fun, it was silly. They had every character from Hammond to the Dilophosaur to Ray Arnold to the Mosquito in Amber. Like, my face legit hurt from smiling by the end of it. Um, so the next day, Ellen and I went to Universal, bright and early, and we were, like, first in line for the Jurassic Park ride, which we went on a few times over the course of the day. And I absolutely loved it. Like, I'm not generally a sentimental person at all, but I have to confess that as soon as the, the first set of doors slowly opened and I saw those big, dumb brachiosaurs, I was just totally overcome with emotions and started crying like I surprised myself with how moved I was. 
Um, so I'm so grateful that I got to experience it before it's gone. Um, the theater I saw at Jurassic Park in back in 93 has long since been torn down. So now 25 years later, I've gone on the OG ride before it closes. So it kind of feels like I've come full circle in a way. I guess I can die now. <laughs> um, I also, I bought the souvenir photo from our first run and I'll get around to posting it maybe in the group soon. Uh, so the next day, uh, Thursday, I think, I fully intended to meet y'all at Margaritaville before the premiere, but we had total roller coaster hangovers and we were just straight up lazy and disorganized. So we just went straight to the movie. Uh, I won't go into too much detail about my initial thoughts because I feel like my criticisms are generally the same as some of the other more popular criticisms out there. And they'll be discussed ad nauseum, I'm sure. And I already feel like I've talked a lot in this note. But I will say that I liked it a lot better when I had time to process it and then saw it again a second time when I got home. Um, the parts that I really liked though were like all the parts on the island, although honestly, I kind of like that the island is gone now. Like burn it all down, burn it to the ground, nothing like a fresh start. Um, I liked the baryonyx a lot. Uh, as a natural born worrier, I really related to Franklin. Um, I loved that Maisie didn't grate on my nerves at all, which I can't say for any of the other kids since Lex and Tim. Uh, I really liked when Claire went very Terminator 2 Linda Hamilton on the Indoraptor on the atrium roof. As I've mentioned to you, I am also a sucker for the Terminator franchise, and T2 Linda Hamilton is legit my everything. Um, then on Friday, I went with you, Stephen, to the Walmart parking lot Fallen Kingdom event. Got to sit in the gyrosphere, touch the park vehicles that I wasn't supposed to touch, um, met the lovely Sunny Janelle Young, um, and then there was your live SJR event, which was a joy to attend. It was so great to meet other listeners and friends of the pod in real life, and I hope I get to hang out with y'all again down the road. Uh, special shout out to my girl Faith, who I feel like I totally monopolized the whole night and refused to let her out of my sights. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was a really great week. Still planning on coming to LA next year, but maybe I should also come down when JW3 comes out and go on the new version of the ride at Universal. Thanks so much. Sorry if this is really long. Ciao. Hi, Stephen. This is Faith. I'm calling the Fallen Kingdom experience because I had an amazing experience. I got to go to LA and see it with you and a bunch of other Sea Jurassic Right folks. And I'm calling because I'm still super stoked on it. When I saw the first Jurassic World, I went with some friends who had kind of dragged their feet, made me late and kind of shitting on the movie the whole time. But this time was so much fun. Everyone I met in my whole trip was just so nice and friendly and was excited to talk about it. Um, special shout out to Maddie because I had so much fun with her during the trivia night. And also Chris being my seat buddy and letting me process the movie. And I don't know if he saw how much I cried during the movie, but it was a lot. And uh, I guess I'm kind of calling to just gush about how much fun it was to see the movie with everyone and do the trivia night and live podcast recording because it was a week ago and I'm still riding that high. But that was my Fallen Kingdom experience. It was emotional, to say the least, but I had a great time and I hope everyone else did too. And yeah, that's it. I don't know how to wrap this up. All right, bye.
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Whew. And now we're at Friday. And so Friday was going to be something really special. I, um, through my friends, you know, through Omar, through Chris, through Tara, um, they have and through ash um ash blodgett who um who you just heard in episode 13 um very talented filmmaker all of them have thrown events at this lovely little barrel of a bar uh in north hollywood called idol hour and every time that they've had events there whether it's for um whether it was for when um omar and chris um did buffy nights for sunnydale study group their buffy podcast or whether there was like a Star Wars night and um, Halloween party and stuff, Idle Hour just seemed like, oh, if I'm going to throw like an event, because I really wanted to, I don't know, it just seemed, even with all this stuff going on, um, you know, even with all this stuff going on, I really wanted to just, just kind of, you know, really just celebrate it. I feel like this has been such a big month already that, at the beginning of the month, you know, not knowing how big it would get, I was like, let's just throw a trivia night live podcast. You know, I had no idea. Um, but even as the month started to get more stacked, you know, in some ways, because I'm always kind of just in the moment, like working on this or that or the other, I kind of didn't really think about it in some ways until, uh, you know, until that week. And I was like, holy shit, I have to throw a trivia night. I've never even been to a trivia night. How am I going to do this? Um, and so a big thank you to my friend Carly Petrusky, who who's big on trivia out in Chicago. And you heard her on the um, the Christmas holiday episode. Um, and so she really was a guide for me, you know, really my uh, trivia daddy uh, <laughs> as far as that goes in terms of really schooling me and telling me what I need to do to make a good trivia night. So, um, yeah, so my whole Friday was like just put out time for that. Really going to like end Jurassic June in style, you know, close the month off with a bang. And, um, you know, whether or not I knew that or not, I just wanted to be ready for it, I guess. So thank you, Carly, for for making sure it wasn't a total, you know, I didn't totally like, uh, you know, uh, get egg on my face, I guess you could say. Um, raptor egg or a gallimimus egg. Welcome to Jurassic Park, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. But earlier that day, um, uh, Maddie and I ended up going to Walmart because they were doing a little outdoor display. And so, again, Janella um, invited uh, invited us out to that to check it out. And so it was this really cute little, like, parking lot thing with, like, 
you know, inflatable dinos and the JP Motor Pool folks were there and there was Legos and toys and everything. And so it was just kind of a nice little relaxing kind of playing with toys and stuff and just kind of getting some cool photos before heading the trivia night. And so, you know, this episode really is about thanking people. And so I'm going to keep thanking people um, because Nick at Idle Hour and Tara and Brent, you know, they really made that event come alive. And, you know, I couldn't have imagined doing it at a better place because, um, again, I, I mean, I would have been fine if nobody showed up and it was just a handful of us hanging out, you know, playing some trivia and, you know, I mean, I wrote all the questions just kind of down from memory that morning, you know, I fact checked and stuff a little bit, but some of it came up a little bit later and, you know, it was interesting, but, um, you know, they really helped me feel comfortable. And I had, uh, uh, you know, this bag full of like cheap dinos that, you know, Tara and I kind of scattered around and, you know, we had a little PA set up and I had all these paper and Maddie came and blew up these inflatable dinosaurs. And then, um, Marissa and Marlena Mortati, um, Marissa's a photographer, uh, Marlena's a tattoo artist and their sisters. And Marissa came up from San Diego to basically set up a f- badass photo booth and that was more amazing than I could have imagined. I mean, Marissa took some amazing photos um, of all of us just like, you know, just it's just a, like a party photo booth. And literally it was just made from a shower curtain. And then she had these, you know, she had professional photo everything. And, um, you know, he had a few masks and um, Janelle had given us a few of these like plushy dinosaur heads. And that was so much fun. Um, and again, <laughs> Maddie blew up these inflatable dinos and, uh yeah, you know, and so the night basically was going to be trivia and um, and then also some podcasting stories and stuff. And so Ash Blodgett and Chris Bramante were so kind to join me because I didn't really want to be totally alone up there. Um, not that I was on a stage. I'm literally just it was just a PA on a table and I was just walking around the outdoor, the beautiful outdoor patio um, area. But it was so much fun because everyone who was there, you know, even if they weren't there for this, they seemed to be down with playing the trivia and stuff like that. And, you know, Ash and Chris are so funny. So, so great to hear them tell stories and stuff. And so, you know, um, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, it, it just ended up being kind of a really fun night and, you know, I have to thank obviously Annalise and Sarah Iyer, who, you know, you know, from my host from the Percast and Mia and Dax, um, you know, and, um, Brenna, um, you know, if you follow her, you should be following her on all the socials. She made these hold on to your bunt cakes and Janella came out and Courtney came out and so many people came out um, that I didn't expect. Um, and, you know, it was just the trivia was just so I don't know. It was just such a fun night. And, you know, just playing a little bit of it. It's just, you know, I had a lot of Palomas basically is what I'm telling you. But- question number eight, Ash. This this question number eight. Did I say eight? Seven. Oh shit, I skipped a question. All right, here we go. All right, that Paloma's kicking in. Here we go. But everyone seemed to be really into it, and that meant a lot because, again, I didn't expect anything. I didn't expect anyone to show up. So um, it was really wonderful. And, uh, you know, what ended up being pretty wild is that um, a uh, 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 there was a Wreck-It Ralph 2, like, dinner party or something in the back. And it turns out um, a woman who's currently working on Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ellen Poon, 
she did the vi- she did visual effects on the original Jurassic Park, and so it was really Chris that kind of recognized her and through a friend of a friend and was like, "Wait a minute, she worked on the original Jurassic Park." And so, from what I remember, you know, listening back to the tapes, this um, so my good friend Miles, who you know, yeah, yeah, Miles Crosman, his family friend, she worked on Jurassic Park. Wait, we have somebody who worked on Jurassic Park. Wait, what's your name? Ellen. Ellen Poon. Wait, what did you do on Jurassic Park? I was, I did the T-Rex uh, and the, the the end sequence where T-Rex rolls and then the banner comes down, and and some of the uh, uh, raptors shot. You did the visual, the visual effects. The visual effects. Yeah. Let's give a hand of applause. Thank you so much for coming. Oh my gosh. There's the dinosaur. I want to answer some of the questions that you that you were asking those people. I, I wasn't coming to the podcast. We were just here for, for drinks. And you just happened to be here? That's amazing. That's the Jurassic world we live in right now. Thank you so much. This is the whole. This is the whole thing. Look at all these. We're doing all these dinosaurs here. My God. Oh my gosh. Wait. Say your name again one more time. Sorry. Ellen Poon. Everyone, a hand of applause for Ellen. She worked on this movie that we're all here to celebrate. Jurassic Park 3, just kidding. All right. All right, all right. Look, we're going to all take selfies with Ellen. It's fine. Don't worry. I planned it all ahead of time. All right, there we go. We're all going to take selfies with Ellen. That's amazing. Um, Look at this. Photo op. We got a legend in the house. Again, everyone cheer for Alan. Amazing. Um, again, a lot of Palomas. Uh, you know, we all cheered and, and because, I mean, she worked on the original Jurassic Park. And um, hopefully I can talk to her more in the future about that experience because it was so such a serendipitous kind of thing. And I can't even imagine how she must have felt. There's like all these people are here for Jurassic Park, like so weird uh, or, you know, so amazing, but just so such a such a random thing. And so, of course, you know, in trivia, there are winners. And so that was another thing I was so pleased and so surprised by. Um, that a lot of members of Jurassic Outpost that I hadn't met yet, including Jennifer and Josh and Samantha, um, as well as um, Caleb and Dylan and Corey, aka they're the hashtag Jurassics, they all happened to be in LA that week and heard about it and ended up coming. And it was so great to meet all of them because I see them on, you know, especially Jurassic Twitter, I see them pop up all the time. Um, and I, and, you know, so it was so nice to meet them. And they, of course, won. And there was, you know, a contentious moment where one of my facts was slightly incorrect. How many raptors die on screen in the movie? Three. And here's how. All right. No, no, no. I. Is this a is this a contentious question? No, no. The fridge. One. You, you don't think the fridge lives? Not confirmed. All right, well, well, at least we know. Does Darth Maul die? Who knows? All right, well, at least the two that get killed by the T-Rex, the two get killed by the T-Rex, I will accept, I will accept if you think the one in the freezer doesn't die. All right, so two to three. I will accept that. I don't believe it, but it's fine. 
uh, that was a really funny moment. And of course they won because they know, you know, they're the Jurassic experts. So that was really exciting. And then um, Krista, who I mentioned before, and Alex Evans uh, were there too. So they won second place because they are also experts. And then, um, you know, as of this episode is coming out, happy July 6th park. If you're familiar with that viral video, that hilarious, touching awkward, funny, sad, encapsulating fandom of a wonderful, amazing viral video. Um, and they're really talented filmmakers outside of this Jurassic Park video. Um, the the filmmaker duo Chris and Jack ended up stopping by. And I was so just like, because I was such a fan of that video and then such a fan of their work, it was so nice to meet them finally. And um, they won third place, which they commented as being very appropriate given the their July 6th Park video. So um, those were all the winners of the evening. But I mean, I really felt like a million bucks at the end of that night because I can't believe so many people showed up and just everyone wanted to, you know, share this thing with me and just, it just made it really special. And, you know, really felt like the capper to this month of Jurassic June, which again, um, ended up being so much more than I could have imagined. You know, I really, uh, did not, did not imagine that it would be, it would be so special in this way, you know, because it's, you know, we talk a lot about nostalgia and diminishing returns and all this stuff, but I felt like this is that moment um, you know, and it's funny because one of my favorite moments in Fallen Kingdom is when Claire is, you know, she goes to Lockwood's Manor and she sees Hammond's portrait uh, on the wall. And, and in that moment, the two um, friend, you know, the two trilogies, the two, um, you know, the first half of the Jurassic Park franchise and the new, you know, the old, the old saga and the new, you know, the old trilogy and the new trilogy, the the old saga and the new saga, all kind of crystallize in that moment together and i think you know in order to propel things forward and i think that's really what for me this whole month has been is that you know we're watching this new movie obviously we all love the original jurassic park and celebrating its 25th anniversary and so those two factors combined together i think really it really made me in some ways believe in the ability to connect with people in a way where you really are all on the same page. And even if everyone's opinions are different and things like that, and not everyone is necessarily going, you know, in the same direction and people are coming and going, but at least in that moment, we are all, uh, you know, we're all there to support each other and our love of this thing. And so, um, that just felt amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and then of course, you know, to denouement this whole, uh, this whole month, this whole affair, I on Sunday, and now we're looking at Scarina number seven. Um, my dad and I decided to go see uh, Fallen Kingdom together in the original theater that I saw the original movie, and so that felt like a very, it felt like a very appropriate thing to do. It was one of those things where we're like, why didn't we do this for Jurassic World? But in some ways, Fallen Kingdom was even more appropriate because of you know, Fallen Kingdom really being more of a true blue sequel to Jurassic Park than Jurassic World even. And so, yeah, I went down to Anaheim Hills where I grew up and this theater, I, uh, it's called Cinema City, but it was called Cinemopolis at the time. And it's where I saw Jurassic Park with my dad. It's where I saw the lost world, um, you know, with my family. It's where I saw JP three with my, uh, high school best friend, Brian, or, you know, junior high school, high school, but my childhood best friend, Brian. Um, and 
yeah, it was so funny. The theater was just all crowded and full of kids. And it's just funny because it's just living in LA and working from home and stuff. I don't, I'm not really surrounded by kids that much, but this theater was just packed. It was alive. It was very much in a live screening with children. And it was actually really cool to see it that way because, um, you know, in the sense I wasn't necessarily annoyed or anything by it because I'd already seen the movie so many times. So I could almost kind of just sort of, you know, sit there with the target audience. And really, they were the same age that I was when I saw Jurassic Park. So it really kind of put it into perspective. And I think it was very special to see it with my dad again, because, um, you know, he took me to see the original. And so he enjoyed it. He didn't think it was perfect. But, um, you know, it's uh, him and I have different tastes and stuff. So it was just nice to really it was more about seeing it with him than than that, you know. And so it was yeah, it was it was very, it was just very nice. It was just a nice afternoon. So you'd think I would be done seeing it in the theaters, but no. Um, past guest, my dear friend, Luce Tomlin Brenner, um, so funny, so talented, so thoughtful, um, just brimming full of ideas and just somebody who I could listen to for hours talk and we could talk for hours and we definitely do. And so, you know, I was, I would be remiss to have not seen the movie with her. Um, you know, we've only we only met a few years ago in L.A. working on um, Radio Picture Show. And so we bonded, you know, when working on that. And um, uh, yeah, it was like, OK, well, when we're both free, we should definitely see it. And so um, she was on the by the way, and she was also in the episode about dinosaurs, because I can't think of anybody who loves dinosaurs in this kind of pure childlike way that she does and and we're both very strong animal rights people and so it really felt like this was the movie for us and that's really what fallen kingdom means to me is that it was such a movie about animals and loving animals and really wanting to save and protect and cherish animals and 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 again unlike the original Jurassic Park where it treated animals as more of a metaphor for the power of nature Fallen Kingdom, for all its faults, really, to me, what really resonates with me is that ability to, again, animals are, in, you know, animals aren't people, but they're individuals. And I think loving them and and wanting to, cher- you know, protect them no matter how, again, it doesn't matter if they're dangerous or not. You know, these these creatures have been, you know, put on, you know, are on this earth with us. And I think we can only learn to live with them no matter how dangerous they are. Um, and I think that only makes our lives richer um, by having, you know, and, you know, by having other animals in our life and, and having, whether it's pets or not, I think just cherishing, um, all of, you know, just all of, you know, nature's wonders and, and knowing that, you know, they're all part of this world too, kind of thing. And so that, um, you know, Luce and I really bond over that in, in a way. And, um, you know, we went to go see the movie at the Vista, which is, you know, my favorite movie theater in LA. It's this, you know, this like uh, just kind of old school cinema house that's been around for probably a hundred years now since the silent film era. And, um, you know, I've just seen so many movies there um, since I've lived in L.A., especially when I lived down the street from it when I first moved to L.A. So, you know, we watched the movie and then we just kind of sat on a bench and kind of just shared our thoughts about the film, all kinds of different topics. And, you know, really just kind of not only looking at what this film meant to us, but just kind of looking into the future and kind of taking stock and everything and, and all that. So um, it was a really fun conversation to have, you know, again, we probably talked about the film for hours before that, you know, and, and after, you know, so um, this is just a tiny snippet of that conversation.
I love Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It was the movie that I wanted Jurassic World to be. And uh, I think it's the movie that every dinosaur lover wants out of a Jurassic Park movie because you get an onslaught of every dinosaur you haven't seen before. And not only that, but you get likable characters that are smart and they have depth and are empathetic. And as a vegan and an animals right, animal rights activist, you get a really hardcore animal rights message, uh, which I don't feel like you get to see in movies. It's like not a message that gets woven into most stories these days. You so you're saying it's like it's this movie finally um what's the right word for it? It makes other people care about dinosaurs in the same way that we cared about dinosaurs the whole time. I think it has that ability if people are open to it. I think it's a dinosaur lovers movie. It's uh because not only do you get to see several breeds and strains and varieties of dinosaurs but um you get to see them we've talked about this before but you get to see them in this very relatable almost humanistic way you get to see their blood their sweat their tears their snot and uh, when we humanize animals, I think that helps people see them as beings that are worth protecting and taking care of. And that is ultimately the final message of this movie. Oh, I really like that. Well, and it's funny because one of the first conversations we had in one of the first episodes of the podcast was us talking about how kind of the dinosaurs serve a purpose to the narrative of like the original movies. This movie in a way is like... I mean, they still all serve a purpose, but in a way, the purpose is to love them, kind of. Yes, absolutely. Because here's the thing, like Ian Malcolm, Dr. Ian Malcolm, played by um, the beautiful, the wonderful Jeff Goldblum, his his point is that it shouldn't have happened. And like, this isn't our mess to make. But, and he, he tries to make that point again in this movie. And it's, uh, I think, well taken and serves as a barometer for... Um, an argument against keeping the dinosaurs that's not evil the way that um, Mills and uh, Toby Jones characters are evil. He's like a nice centrist position. However, the fact it remains that the dinosaurs are here, and I think there's arguments to be made that like, sure, there's things we should have never done in the first place, but once they're done, how do we deal with them? And I don't think as like compassionate, empathetic people, we should... Uh, destroy problems we have to like deal with them so I feel like this movie explores the fact that like yeah they're here and instead of being our antagonists and the villains that they've been in most of the movies now they're uh, loved and honored in the way that when that they should be because the fact is that they're here there's no going back they say many different characters have said it in many different ways but in this movie they say you can't put it back in the box they're fucking here let's love them Well, and we even said that this movie is not about, like, good and evil. It's more about inaction. It's more about action and inaction. It's more about the idea that, like, you know, some people are choosing to save them and some people are just, like, saying it's not my problem. So, yeah, it's interesting that the characters are like, well, yeah, like you said, like, we're here, so we have to do something about it, you know? And, like, I find it interesting that, you know, Claire ultimately is saying, like, in a way, like, it was great character growth where she's like, okay, maybe, like, 
I'm not going to take this power lightly. I'm not going to just let them out in the world. But then the movie is saying like, no, but they still should be free because doesn't everyone deserve to be free or doesn't, you know, don't all creatures deserve the right to live. Yes. But I, but yes. I like, but I like that that's in Macy's hands who is one of those creatures versus having like a white savior kind of thing almost. Yes. And I also, the, the word idealist is thrown around a lot in this movie. And I think um, a challenge of growing older is losing your idealism. And that's the problem with Mills's character. He's someone that's presented to us originally as um, a handsome, compassionate uh, maybe even like a match for Bryce Dallas Howard's Claire Um, and then quickly you learn that he's actually like this he used to be idealistic when he was young but then he turns into this like greedy capitalistic evil swine character who supports and it becomes a conduit to even worse people Um, and I think there's a lot of themes throughout uh, art that explore the idea of growing older and becoming less engaged in our world or becoming broken down, which is and acquiescing to corporate, uh, not corporate necessarily, but like either capitalism or uh, greed or just like the day-to-day grind and you don't, you don't stay passionate. And uh, that is obviously something that's like explored with Claire's character. And even like the first movie is she's just like kind of a hardened businesswoman. And then in this movie, we get the idea that like she was a passionate activist and then she like got, you know, became more corporate through her job in the first movie. And now she's an activist again, but it takes the idea of that. And we get to see Macy be the youth, right? So like, Claire is maybe a little harder and a little older and like maybe not as idealistic, but like Macy is idealistic. She, the youth are the people who are the change makers in our world. And like, that's something we throw around a lot, but in reality, they're the youngest. They have the most energy. They're experiencing the world for the first time so they can take things head on. And uh, Macy's like a great character to do that also because she's a clown. So she can relate to the dinosaurs. (laughs) the most but um i think that translates a lot to our world and what we see now when we see young people have had to take things into their own hands and make the difference that like adults either are unwilling or unknowledgeable or feel lost at how to move forward with it's it's them that are inspiring people to act versus people acting because they feel like they have to yes yeah yeah absolutely and i like that um i like that claire is compromised and doesn't know the right thing to do because uh, it is hard to know the right thing to do. And that's like an exploration that's been throughout the series is like, we want these creatures because they're beautiful and we can learn from them. But what does it mean to bring them back? And like, what is the right thing to do in a situation that we have had no precedent for? And that's what every character has struggled with in every Jurassic Park movie. And I think it's exciting to see the youth just be like, make a hard decision that's going to ultimately change the world. And that makes me excited for another installment, which I think is hard to do in a franchise because this movie doesn't make you feel franchise fatigue. And I think that that's important. That actually made me think about it because for so long, this series has been about, oh, these megalomaniac like scientists, you know, they didn't stop to think if they should. That's something that's separate from, from us. And we're, yeah, our conscience is in the clear, but actually we all have a part to play in the destruction of our planet, basically. Absolutely. Like the, like, 
like this movie is basically being like, no, we all have a part to play. So now, now that we can finally admit that we're all complicit in the system that we've created, that's allowed dinosaurs to come back. That's allowed the earth to become, um, brutalized by global warming and start to be affected by it in ways in catastrophic kind of ways that we haven't predicted. Okay. Now that we finally have owned up to the fact that it is our fault, you know, that we've all had a part to play. It's like, okay, now it's next. So what like, about it? Yeah. yeah, this movie has everything people. <laughs> and so many tears. I love how much this movie wants you to cry in, in a, in, in a way that allows all the characters to cry as well. Like that's, yes. that's the cool part about it. You know, it's like, it's saying like it's welcoming you to cry because it's like we should be like I don't know we should be crying about this stuff. Absolutely. Well, in the viewing that we just saw today at the Vista Theater in Los Angeles, California, there was we think we heard a child crying when the Brachiosaurus is engulfed in flames. And now I start crying again. One of the saddest things I've seen in a movie that wasn't purposely manipulating you. I mean, it was a little bit of a manipulative scene but like there's movies that are just trying to gut you and like this was I wasn't I've never cried during a Jurassic Park movie before and this movie I think I cried four times this is my second time seeing it and I still it hit me well I mean again I think it's that thing of like look we love the dinosaurs but to really bring the point home I think they realize they need to make people that don't care about dinosaurs care, which is like you're saying, that's the struggle all the time is getting people to care about issues that they have no personal stake in. And dinosaurs are like that. I mean, it's a privately owned venture, as they say. You know what I mean? So it's like... That's a good point. I'm just Yes, that's such a great point. I didn't even think about that. But they say that right in the very beginning, the government's not going to protect the island because it's privately owned. I mean, how often do we see our government saying they're not going to have a hand in it because it's some fucking loophole? It's interesting. I feel like Jurassic Park exists in this... Either in the future, I think about this a lot, actually, because they have science that we don't have. So it's like they're either in the future or they're in a parallel dimension. Do you think about that ever? Yeah, I mean, they've they've always just kept the movies in the years that they come out because I don't think it really matters. You know, I think it's that kind of timelessness of these movies is that they don't need to be like 2025. It's like, no, the original came came out in 1993. So the movies in 1993, like, you know, this movie takes place in 2018. So I think the alternate universe theory is more apt because, yeah, I think in, in there, there's one universe where people are working a little bit harder just to bring dinosaurs back. I like I like that. It's it's so interesting because as dinosaur fans, I think that we really relate to the scientist characters and, you know, the Owen and Claire when they're overwhelmed and excited to see the dinosaurs because you're a fan, you want to see dinosaurs. Like, even though you see in every single movie how bringing them back goes terribly wrong there's that part of you that every time they see the brachiosaurus in the beginning and they're overwhelmed you're like you want to experience that you you want to see them even though you've seen the destruction so then it's understandable how you know people are always like they keep making the same mistakes but it's like no go back to the wonder part it's our 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 drive for that wonder that this keeps happening and it's not it's not because People are entirely greedy. There is like a backbone of wanting to share this science with people in the same way that we, you want to share the universe through astronomy and telescopes and we all want to explore that together. It would be 
good for our world to see real dinosaurs in a way. And I think it's cool that this series explores both sides of the scientific curiosity and the honor and how it could go terribly wrong and be um, exploiting, exploited in like a capitalistic way. I really love that because to me, I had that same thought that that this is the first movie that kind of pokes that bear of a question of like that critique of like, why do people keep wanting, why do people keep making dinosaurs? And I think this movie finally kind of in a weird way tackles that question, like tackles the question of like, no matter what the consequences, we'd still bring dinosaurs back in a heartbeat because uh, I mean, just everything you said, really. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I was like, nope, can't say it better than Luce. Like, it's just that idea of like wanting to be part of a bigger world and and being humbled by it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think these movies, more than any um, other franchise or popcorn movies, really explore the uh, reality of the grayness that we live in. Like, a lot of movies have themes of good and bad and that that's all that there is. And while there are obvious villains in the Jurassic Park world and obvious good people in the Jurassic Park world, they also have taken great strains, especially in the first movie and this most recent Fallen Kingdom to show a centrist position and to show like, well, Ian Malcolm is kind of, I guess any movie that has Ian Malcolm in it, he's been an incredible lightning rod for a centrist position and showing how complicated the issue is. I mean, in Fallen Kingdom, he recommends that we let the dinosaurs go extinct again, not out of a heartlessness, but out of an acknowledgement that of what's to come later in the movie, of that they could be exploited and used uh, for war, and that they could be used for these insane genetic um, modifications that we can't even imagine. So he's trying to think about how the human, how humans could survive and how our world can survive and how we owe it to the dinosaurs to take them out. And then the flip side is that we've brought them in. Why let them suffer? Why not try to give them a better life? And there's complications in that just because there's complications in living in our world with several species in our environment. I think we're constantly arguing about the best way to take care of the planet that we live in and the animals. And if, you know, it's Dinosaurs are animals. I love how much they keep calling them animals in this yeah. movie more than any other time. And they say they've always said she a lot since the dinosaurs are always uh, female. But like, there's a lot of it in this yeah. movie. Like they take great strains, I think, to humanize them. Great DNA strains. Okay. <laughs> also, we haven't talked about this, but I think it's so funny that they created a set for this auction room that like we're supposed to believe that Mills just built this very specific like evil genius room to have a cage roll out into like how many millions was just that like evil bidding room oh he was so excited (laughs) he could have just he would have been rich anyways that's the thing that's crazy to me he was already doing so well that's the thing with wealth, right? Like, why do you have to push it? You're already doing great. You got to take it into this new, outrageously Mach- Machiavellian way where it's just like, you're unnecessary, dude. That's why you're about to get torn up by two carnivores. Well, that's why my favorite moment of his is when Toby Jones's character, Gunner Eversall. Oh, that's his name? Yeah. I don't feel like that name was ever clear. That's hilarious. I think they mentioned his last name once, but there's that moment where 
And I love moments where villains have conflict with each other and villains have conflict with what's going on around them in ways they don't expect, where totally. the crowd has turned evil and they're like, <laughs> let's buy this Indoraptor. And they're Toby Jen- like Gunnar Eversall like looks at uh, Rafe Spall's Eli Mills and he's just like, why not? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You see them just getting cartoonishly more evil. And there's this great shot that I absolutely love because they keep jump cutting to um, two mills looking at the computer and being like, money, money. And then there's this great shot where the screen of the computer is reflected in his glasses and he has this insane smile on his face as the numbers are tallying up in his glasses. And it's, it's so, it's such a, it's a, such a funny scene, but it's, also like such like a dark scene at the same time and I think it was handled really well and it was paced really well by the director because it's not too cartoonish and it's not too evil and it sits perfectly in that like getting a message across in a summer movie way. Yeah. Well, and I like that it's the escalation back and forth between the crowd and the evil villains where it's not like the evil villains pushing this idea. It's like they are actually their negative their their evil is reinforced by society absolutely that's such a good point and like that you can you can think someone's not that bad you could be like well it could be worse but somebody who's already you know a moral deficit and has a weak character can absolutely always be pushed to do worse yeah. um i really love this scene uh first of all like the hall of dioramas is incredible um and i really love the scene where uh Maisie and owen and claire are all hiding out trying to get away from the indoraptor but then uh you know, they turn the lights back on and it illuminates them in there. And the Indoraptor comes up to the glass and there's this like beautiful frame where the Indoraptor's face is like superimposed on Maisie's face because they're looking at each other. And it's like this really great foreshadowing for the fact that like they're one in the same. They're like these man-made clones that um, if it's an animal, you're like, it shouldn't be here, right? And it has a really horrific death. It's the only it's the only death that you're supposed to really cheer other than the bad guys. And I feel like the idea is because it's man-made. But it's like then you're like, but look at Maisie. And she's a human and she's man-made. So shouldn't we protect her? And I, I like that she exists as this barometer. Um, and them being, their faces being kind of uh, reflected against each other, I think was a really good cinematic choice. I love it. Well, no, this is this is my last question, since I feel like because the first time we talked was all about dinosaurs. So I guess has your has this movie changed how you feel about dinosaurs, your relationship with dinosaurs or your like relationship with your love of dinosaurs? Or I guess what it, what is how it, like how has it affected that or or if you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, it's deepened my love for dinosaurs. I mean, I think it's. The older you get, the well, if you're lucky, you continue to be passionate about things and more things. You learn more things. Your brain just gets filled with great stuff. Um, So sometimes you don't revisit older passions. And I think a thing that's fun about franchises, if you're somebody who belongs to fandoms, is that your lifelong loves keep getting reignited every time there's a new book or a new movie. And... um, I think the thing that's the most exciting about Fallen Kingdom for people who are, grew up as fans of dinosaurs is that you get to see your favorite dinosaurs um, in more action than you ever get to in any of the other movies. So like one of my favorites is a uh, Pachycephalosaurus. Oh, I don't think I said that right. Um, the Pachy, uh, who has such a great, oh, he's so great in this movie is like the bull of the movie who like brings down the walls and, um, you know, 
Owen and Claire, they're jailed along with the dinosaurs and they all are equal at that point and they work together to kind of free each other, which I think is uh, really incredible and also like foreshadowing to the end. And so it was so fun because not only did he play such an integral role, but he's also funny and it's great to see dinosaurs be funny and like to have that other human quality. And then also did get to see the Ankylosaurus did a lot. Um, oh, the... Was the Barra... Baryonyx? Baryonyx, yeah. Never got to see that. Because, you know, we see pictures of dinosaurs and we fall in love with them like that or through toys as kids. But, like, to get to see them to move and the CGI, we were talking about this earlier, was so good um, because they actually made practical effects and and puppets and animatronics. And so they sort of... lowered the CGI a little bit to meet the real practical effects so that the CGI didn't look so over the top. You really felt like you're looking at real dinosaurs. And I think as a a passionate dinosaur lover, it's fun to see them in action. And that's one of the reasons I'm always excited about these movies. And I'm always going to give them more credit than just being a summer movie because it's the only way we get to see dinosaurs. You know, after all of this, again, after having such an amazing month, having, you know, Again, I couldn't think of a better film to to have this with because it's a movie that is in some ways so divisive, um, not only amongst film critics and stuff like that, but also amongst people who love this franchise, who love the original Jurassic Park. I think it really hit a right note for some people um, and for some people it didn't. And so, you know, it's been really nice to just kind of share everyone's opinions together because it's like, we all like this thing. Um, and so whether or not we like you know, necessarily love this thing or like where it's going or, you know, we all have an investment in this um, particular uh, obsession. And so um, I think no matter what side of the fence we fall on, I think for me, it's so important to um, to really just sit in there and soak up how it, not only like what people are saying, but how they're saying it. And um, so I was so lucky that so many people called in. I think this is definitely the biggest call in uh, yet for this podcast. And so that really means a lot to me that you wanted to take the time to share your opinions and share your thoughts and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm going to be reading some emails in the mini. So next week, but I wanted to play a few phone calls, um, you know, of some new and familiar faces, um, as well as, uh, <laughs> as well as my Twitter best friend, Auntie Donahue, uh, hilarious writer, uh, and podcaster, And so, yeah, um, I just want to play out this episode listening to all your thoughts. Hey, oh my God. Um, It's Auntie Donahue. Hello. I have thoughts and feelings about the new Jurassic Park slash world slash kingdom slash enterprise. Mainly that I am still thinking about the deceased Brachiosaurus stuck on the island and um, I don't think I'll ever really come back from that. Also, very shocked at the darkness of this film. Um, it gets incredibly film noir. I obviously, spoiler alert, would never want James Cromwell to die. But I did love the way in which he was killed or suggested he was killed. There's a lack of person-to-person violence in this film and and a suggestion of it, which I think is kind of refreshing because we're so inundated with all this action amongst the dinosaurs that it's only this allude, like there's violence that's alluded to, murder that's alluded to, cruelty that's alluded to. Um, And I think that's done pretty well because you know what? At the end of the day, I do want to watch dinosaurs rip apart 
a bounty hunter. I do want to see that. But I don't want to see um, an old man smothered with a pillow. I just don't. Also, Maisie, shocking. Also, her mother looks like Parker Posey, so I was waiting for a cameo. Unfortunately, that did not come to pass, but that's okay. I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, I'm really relating to Blue the raptor in a lot of ways. She is a survivor. I like to think of myself as such. And I like to think that while I have a loyalty to some, I will rip the faces off of anyone who fucks with me. So Blue the raptor for life. Okay, this has probably gone on for way too long. I have so many thoughts and feelings. Um, hooray for movies and dinosaurs and the Jurassic franchise. 2021 cannot come quickly enough. Okay, bye. Hey, Steven. Um, my name is Bria. So I cried a lot. Like a, a lot, a lot, a lot. I mean, I cry a lot anyway, but I cried more at this movie than I have at most movies. That scene with long neck on the on the dock was just like heartbreaking and I think the rest of the theater hated me for how much noise I was making but I'll tell you that when the uh the dinosaur doctor got out and she was like oh my gosh I'm finally seeing this dinosaur and it was the long neck and then that was the one that was left on the dock I knew I knew it was going to be that one because of course, they were making us have an emotional connection before they destroyed the nicest dinosaur on the whole island. But, whatever. And then, I mean, other than that, the movie was fantastic. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, my husband did, however, call the clone part with the granddaughter. The moment he wouldn't let her see the pictures in the book. And she was like, do I look like her? He was like, yeah. That's his clone. That's the clone. That's clone of his daughter. Duh. And I felt stupid for not having guessed it. But I don't know. It was a really good movie. Thought really late at night. I was on the edge of my seat. I cried a lot. It was really great. I really loved your podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this call. Bye. Dear Ray Morris, it is Roxanne. I'm Judith Roxy on social media sites. You know, just the... <laughs> The overreaction participator on um, the Facebook group as well. I said I would give a call in. Uh, now that I just saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I I have a lot of feelings about it. <laughs> um, first and foremost, the scene that destroyed me, and I had to try to discreetly make sure that people were not noticing that I was sobbing in my seat. Um, I thought I'm a 3D, so it was easy to hide behind those glasses, but the scene that, like, I just keep flashing back to is the sweet little bracky at the end of the East Dock after the volcano erupted. Hi, Steven. This is Ellen. So I just finished um, going to see Fallen Kingdom, and I have so many thoughts. Um, and I have to say, I had a lot more high hopes for Claire for this movie, um, because it seems like now, you know, her, she's really driven by this maternal instinct to save the dinosaurs, and I understand that as, like, part of the plot driver, but I don't feel like they filled in the story well enough about that, really giving the reasons why, and I figure, you know, they probably are using the, um, book offshoot to 
um, support that story, but it's really not covered in the movie, especially because she has absolutely no maternal instincts in the first one, and all of a sudden she does now, but we don't really get filled in on where this came from um, and, you know, how she got to this point. So I was a little sad about seeing that. I was happy to see that she was running around without heels on, and um, even though that first scene had her in heels, um, and really showing her um, badassness throughout the movie, but still, um, I feel like some of her character growth was clouded by her relationship with Owen. I don't know. It just seemed like action um, scene after action scene rather than a full story. Um, anyway, those are my thoughts about Fallen Kingdom right now, um, just immediately after seeing it. Um, and also, cats are pretty much like velociraptors. Hi. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, Stephen. This is Amelie Belcher calling again, long-time fan. Uh, calling in to tell you about my, the, uh, I've ruined this take. <laughs> calling in to tell you about my Fallen Kingdom experience. And I gotta say, I can't stop thinking about the death of the Brachiosaur, Brontosaur, Apatosaur, or whatever sauropod we saw die on the dock. I can't stop thinking about it. In the theater, I'm a 37-year-old woman. I've been there since day one, 14 years old, watching this movie. And to see the most gentle of the Jurassic Park creatures die in front of us, and that one John Williams, tiny little bit of a score in a minor key, the literal death knell of Jurassic Park... Something about that still makes me want to cry, and I'm still choking up just thinking about it. it. We saw a CG animal die in front of us, and it felt like watching a piece of our own childhood be taken from us. And it kind of represented to me, I think, the death of the innocence that was Jurassic Park. As if the first movie wasn't enough to tell us that innocence isn't really something dinosaurs care about. To, to humans, I think this means a lot more, and I, I just can't stop thinking about that poor thing and how we all had to witness it. And there were kids around me that weren't crying nearly as hard as I was, and I didn't care. It, it was just a very traumatic experience. I'm so glad that Blue survived, and I'm so glad that the T-Rex, who I've called Sweet Potato my entire life, and I refuse to call her anything but that. I'm glad Sweet Potato at least uh, is wild and free. I just can't stop thinking about that poor, poor dinosaur dying on the docks, and we all had to watch it. So, this was a good movie. I liked it a lot. But, man, was that traumatic. I was not expecting that. So, the park is gone. That's, that's all we got to say. Thanks so much for putting on the podcast, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say, and I'm just going to go cry in a corner for a while. Okay, bye. Hey, Stephen. It's Elisa. I'm calling about my first reaction to Fallen Kingdom. Um, first of all, amazing. Um, I'm probably going to go see it again today, but I wanted to talk about briefly about Chris Pratt and Blue's relationship because whenever Owen and Blue were on screen together, I cried because my sister is actually a zoologist and she takes care of a lot of animals, um, giraffes, rhinos, and it just reminds me so much of her relationship with her animals and 
like how badly I wish dinosaurs were still in existence and how maybe we could also have that relationship with them and just how cool it is that my sister gets to experience something that Owen really um, loves. And yeah, I just, I loved it so much. And the people sitting next to me were probably laughing that I cried every time they were on screen together, but whatever. Um, Anyway, that's my story. Hey, uh, this is Jess from Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I finally got to see Fallen Kingdom this past Tuesday um, at a local theater. Um, it was a packed movie theater, which is always really nice and exciting for a big movie like this. Um, and really, I love the movie. Um, it's spectacular visually. Um, everything was incredible, but the reason I felt compelled to call in is because I hadn't exposed myself too much about the plot ahead of time. I just wanted to be, um, just to go into it, not knowing much, and um, enjoy it. And I was blindsided by the several sad scenes in which we are forced to watch the sweet, sweet dinosaurs struggle to swim, die in the lava on the island. Oh, my God, I... I had to turn my eyes away several times because it was making me want to cry. Um, thanks again for doing what you're doing. Okay, bye. Hi, my name is Mary Jane Gamson. I'm an illustrator studying at the Rhode Island School of Design. And I just wanted to say that the first act of Jurassic World was probably one of the most difficult, like, things for me to consume in cinematic history, at least as someone who really use like uses dinosaurs as a surrogate for animals and also as a surrogate for my childhood to watch the this huge extinction event kind of compressed into 20 or 30 minutes was just absolutely heartbreaking and that was I think for a movie that is supposed to be a tribute to dinosaurs and a love for them probably one of the most heart-wrenching and cool things it could have done to its audience in what I think has ended up being kind of a delectable way. Because in my head, I was kind of like, how the hell are they going to come back from this when they did something so cruel to their audience, especially then to show, like, the T-Rex having its teeth pulled and Blue being so mistreated. But then, you know, as this movie's kind of beating you down, it picks you back up with one of, like, the greatest action climaxes in, I think, Jurassic Park's history. I also think it was really interesting that it seemed as though the little blonde auctioneer man had to have been some kind of surrogate for Donald Trump, especially the scene where the Indominoraptor, like, roars at him and it flips his little crappy toupee hairpiece up. Yeah, thank you for your time and listening to my frantic and strange garbled thoughts. Hi, Stephen. My name is Mira. Um, you touched on this a little bit, and people talked about, um, you know, aspects of the movie reminding them of E.T. But for me, um, a lot of what made Fallen Kingdom so emotionally effective was how much it reminds me of just being a child in the 90s who had so many movies connected to dinosaurs or just animals. Um, Wheatley, who is, like, terrible but so delightfully terrible, Reminded me so much of The Hunter in Jumanji, which is something that terrified me as a child. He just had something about that complete and total chaotic evil attitude um, that really immediately unsettled me. Um, and, of course, you know, seeing the Brontosaurus, the long neck, be the creature that we see 
kind of fade away on the dock and all of that chaos and all of that terror. I felt personally attacked. I know that the people who make these movies know that many of us who grew up with the original Jurassic Park also grew up with the land before time. And I don't know that I've ever cried so hard over just an image versus like dialogue or or a whole plot point before seeing a movie. Um, And I also think that Maisie is really reminiscent of these like adventurous kids that we had in so many of those movies as well. Um, And Maisie is also great too for the idea of Jurassic Park now becoming more of a fairy tale, which I think it makes Fallen Kingdom my favorite movie. And I admittedly have not felt engaged by Jurassic Park since the original one, but Maisie is very much this girl in a tower, but she's very empowered and very knowledgeable and still just kind of a kid, and I loved how simple her morality was. She trusts Owen because she's seen him be nice to animals, and that's kind of why she gives in and decides to trust him, even though these adults around her have, you know, died and and then been so horrible to her. And then the simplicity of her morality in the end, where she's just like, they're alive. And so she hits the button, she sets them free. I love sort of the vulnerability that comes with fairy tale stories and just seeing her still be such a kid, even though all these terrifying things were happening around her, I thought was phenomenal. And then also we got to see a dinosaur climb on top of a fancy house that's basically a castle. And I didn't know this, but I've been waiting my whole life for that. Hi, Stephen. This is Kevin um, calling to... Uh, say how much your show has really just made this experience of Jurassic World, the Fallen Kingdom, that much more enjoyable for me. Um, I went and saw the first trailer, and I wasn't that thrilled. And then that uh, inspired me to finally seek out your podcast. Um, and I was really blown away by that first episode and how much you kind of romanticize your feelings towards Jurassic Park and I felt a kinship to that and how I feel about the franchise and especially that first film Um, saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom today with my mother and I loved it I was so thrilled by how fun it was Um, I'm a wrestling fan and one of the things that we do as wrestling fans is we have to um, not really focus on and overthink things, but just accept them for what they are and just have fun with it. And I think that's what really made this movie so amazing for me. Um, from the emotions, the likable characters, uh, to the old favorite dinosaurs, to the new favorite dinosaurs, um, to the roller coaster emotions when the volcano's going, uh, it was just, a spectacular thing to see uh, and I really really love the callbacks that we got um, especially uh, the scene with um, uh, uh, Maisie as she's tricking the Indoraptor and uh, going in the uh, little elevator thing <laughs> that she gets into um, it's just such a fun moment, and it's so subtle, and it doesn't slap you in the face as, hey, we're called back to Jurassic Park and the kitchen scene, but um, it just it just made sense for the story. And I just really enjoyed everything that I saw in this movie um, and the small, subtle uh, extra scene at the end of the credits. 
Um, it just shows how expensive Jurassic World really is now. Uh, and I'm just excited to see what the next film has in store for us. I appreciate this podcast so much. Um, we met once at a We Watch Wrestling taping and we talked about CatCon afterwards. So I'm excited to go to CatCon this year. Hopefully I'll see you. And just thank you so much for having this show that I powered through uh, in less than a month for the entire year that was available to me. And I enjoyed every moment. And uh, thank you for helping me realize that Jurassic Park is really my favorite movie. Um, but thank you again so much. Hope to see you at CatCon. And I hope you have a great day. And Rexy forever. And Blue. Hi, Steven. Um, I was just calling with, I guess, my reactions. Because I watched the new movie last night. Um, it was so good. Um, I'm really excited for like the implications that a cloned human is going to have on the series. Um, and I am so excited for like where the next movie is going to go. I definitely teared up seeing all of the dino damage on Rexy. Um, and also the sad brontosaurus. And also, I know that when Blue cried real tears, it was uh, definitely a tactic to try to make me feel emotional about it, and I totally did. Um, oh my god, it was just so good. Okay, sorry, I, I just saw it, and I'm so, I'm so stoked right now. Um, Alright, cool, I guess that's everything. Uh, oh, I guess like a lot of people who were leaving the theater said that they didn't like it. Um, I think as, like, a diehard fan, I like it because even though some of the stuff was definitely used before, it kind of felt like, like, as a fan, I feel like if I were, like, somebody who didn't care that much, I'd be like, oh, that's sucks, they just made all the movies into one. Uh, but as, like, a fan, I was like, oh, my God, they played, they, uh, paid tribute to so many parts of other films. Um, I guess that's it. I hope you're doing well. Steven, it's Colby. I, you know, I don't know if I'm the only Colby you know, but it's Colby Newbold. Um, I know we already talked a little bit about Jurassic Park, and I've been posting a little bit. Uh, I've only seen it once, but I did want to call in with my thoughts. Um, I was a baller. I'm a big animal and dino fan, so when all those dinos were dying during Fallen Kingdom... I cried hardcore. Um, uh, I just, I don't, I don't know what it is, you know, how people cry when animals die in movies, but they don't cry when humans die in movies. <laughs> I was sitting there crying, and poor Alex looks over and I was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "They're dying," and he's like, "It's gonna be okay." And I was like, "No, it's not. They're the last of their kind. They die, then they're dead forever." Anyway. That's a little depressing. Um, but I loved it. I mean, I've been, I came out the same year as Jurassic Park. Uh, so I, I've lived with it my entire life and I'm just so happy that I get to see it in theaters now when I'm an adult. It's the same thing with Star Wars. It's, it's basically been my whole life and I get to keep reliving it in different ways. Um, I thought it was great. I just like to enjoy movies, so I try not to criticize it too much. Um, and the animatronics and the special effects were amazing. So all in all, I loved it. And I can't wait to see it again, and I can't wait to buy it on DVD. 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter via my shitty writing or colby.a.newbold on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Uh, and thank you again so much for the podcast. I've been loving it. And I uh, can't wait for more. I thought that it had such a wonderful message about animal exploitation and cruelty. And, you know, what our role as humans are and what we need to do to make the world better for animals. And I thought that that was such a wonderful message. You know, as someone who has been involved in animal rescue and rehabilitation her entire life, like, I was so, I was so happy to see that. I think that it had a really wonderful message. Good afternoon, Stephen. This is your boy, Jurassic Dab. Uh, calling in, checking in. I'm sending this via email, so I don't even know what that is. Anyways... Um, just giving um, some quick thoughts about Fallen Kingdom. Uh, you and I have talked about this, and a lot of us have talked in the group already about the film, so I don't want to rehash too much of what I've already said. Um, but I think, in general, I'm, I'm not struggling with it. I, I think that the film has a lot of merit. Um, and I think it's a beautifully well done film. I think just for me, it in parts it just fell flat. I'm kind of the person who wants a lot more character, a lot more narrative. Um, and I think part of that was influenced by the fact that they kind of gave up so much in the trailers. So I didn't feel like there was too much more. Um, plot to really explore um i think also too um i don't know it it the problem is for me it's like i i can't not see all the blockbuster tropes so it's like you know that it's hard to look past them um when looking at this film um though in some respects it really does a great job at being its own like piece of art so I mean I think I'm just conflicted about it and I think that there's a lot of great stuff you can take away from Fallen Kingdom um but there's a lot of stuff that like didn't hit the mark I I think overall I think I'm starting to see more of the merit of this film though the first time I watched it I was Oh gosh, it was bad. I, I like I couldn't talk for a long time. Um, I had to go back to our hotel because we were in uh, Cardiff at the time, and I just I wasn't talking, and I like I laid down, and I just didn't speak for a long time because I just I couldn't believe what I watched. It was, it was just overwhelming and not in like the good way. Um, but I've seen it a couple times now, and and I can really see where its good qualities are and I think as I mentioned in the group I think I'm going to look into it a little bit more but that whole like references themes of uh British and classic and 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 myths and all that stuff are kind of like imbued in it I think um and I find that really interesting so I'm going to explore that a little more um and it's just a very gothic film too I mean it, it checks off all the boxes of a gothic film um, oh, and I realized, too, this is maybe something you want to look into. I don't know if you've read Wuthering Heights, but the main character in that book, or the one who's, like, he get he like he has to sit in this guy in Heathcliff's house and, like, while he's ill and hear the story, but his name is Lockwood, and he's ill and he can't leave Heathcliff's manor, 
and Adam, there's more tie-ins. I, I can write it out better than I can talk about it, but um, I thought that was interesting. So overall, yeah, I have mixed feelings, I think. I'm going to see it one more time, um, and we're going to go from there. Um, but I'm glad other people loved it, and I, I'm glad that the group, um, the Facebook group, is very like critically receptive to this film. Like, People loved it, and there were people like me who were like less than thrilled with it. But like we all were able to talk about it um, in a way that like wasn't like attacking one another or wasn't you know you know oh you're stupid you know you're dumb or whatever like we respect each other's opinions and I think that's really hard in an environment today where you have analogous fan communities like Star Wars like killing each other over the Last Jedi. Um, I th- I think that the fact that we can have a good discussion, even outside the group, even other members of the community that aren't like SJR people. Um, we can all have really good discussions and we disagree with each other sometimes vehemently, but uh, at the end of the day, we're like, yo, dinosaurs. We love this film. Dinosaurs. Give me all the dinosaurs. We love it. And I think I love that about this community and the, the space SJR kind of sits in. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about this film more, seeing it again. Um, and just you know, digging into it more because I think there's a lot to unpack over you know the next year, or couple years as we get from now to 2021. It seems weird like saying that out loud, but it's coming faster than we think. But anyways, this is a it, it's a lot of fun doing all that, and and I'm really happy to be part of like a meaningful conversation. I think as you and I talk, like not just like nitpicking, like actually discussing the merits of the story and everything so that's all i gotta say um i hope you have a good day and i will talk to you soon bye hi steven olivia here and i just saw jurassic world fallen kingdom for the second time both of the times i loved it but the second time was just a little bit better my favorite scene was when blue saved the day and killed the indoraptor it gave me the shivers my favorite dinosaur was stiggy because it reminds me of my cat kylo ren i loved how it ended It gave me tears how Maisie pressed the button and released all of the dinosaurs. I didn't have a least favourite scene, but I didn't really like how the Brachiosaurus was left on Isla Nubla all by itself. It was so sad and everybody in the theatre was in tears. But the highlight of the movie was when Blue recognises Owen. I I also loved how they brought some humour into the movie and how amazing were Chris and Bryce together again. I wish I lived in the world of Jurassic. Thank you again, everybody. Um, for making this one of the most amazing months of my entire life uh, and just making it really feel like, um, you know, I think little six-year-old Steven would, um, would finally, uh, be like, good job, Steven. You finally, you finally, uh, you finally did, you finally did good. So, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah.
This has been episode 14 of See Jurassic Right. My guests on this week's episode and future episodes were, in order of appearance, Michelle Oddish. You can follow her on Twitter at Michelle Oddish. Lauren Ho, you can follow her on Twitter at L underscore Ho. Clayton Fioriti, you can follow him on Twitter at Clayton Fioriti and check out his YouTube channel. Tom Fishenden, you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Jurassic. Matt Scavoni, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt Scavoni75. Courtney Medencia, you can follow her on Instagram at Little Medencia. Chris Permonte, you can follow him at Amantioc. Dax Schaefer, you can follow him on Twitter at Dax Schaefer. Maddie K, you can follow her on Twitter at Maddie OK. Faith Elizabeth, you can follow her on Twitter at The Faithosaurus. Luce Tomlin Brenner, you can follow her on Twitter at LTB Comedy. And Anne Donahue, you can follow her on Twitter at Ann T. Donahue. And of course, can't forget our callers Bria, Roxy, Ellen, Amelia, Elisa, Jess, Mary Jane, Mira, Kevin, Colby, Nick, Olivia, and more. Well, episode 15 drops one month or so from today. Be on the lookout for a mini so dropping next Tuesday, most likely next Thursday or Friday. I'll be playing voicemails and reading emails sent in from listeners like you. Also be on the lookout for future mini-sodes and special segments as well. And now you can support Sea Jurassic Right on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash and check out the Sea Jurassic Right Facebook group by searching Sea Jurassic Right Podcast on Facebook. Now I have two questions for you. If you want to tweet at me, call in, or leave a voicemail before next month's show, these questions are, where do you want the franchise to go next with Jurassic World 3 and or beyond? And if there were no limitations other than your imagination, what's your ideal Jurassic Park film? 65 million years of waiting. Well, oh yeah. Well, all right. Well, oh yeah. Now you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJR Pod on Twitter, See Jurassic Ride on Instagram, See Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at seejurassicright at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and, oh God, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.